they're great. I love cat. I can't have cat, but I love cat. You, you could have like a sphinx cat. I don't want a scrote cat, okay? I don't want one of those gross scrote cats. I I empathize with the people who love them, but I just no, I don't. That's a lie. I don't empathize. I don't get it. They're ugly. Don't want the ball sack cat. I know that if we're recording right now, Peter's gonna come after me and be like, How dare you? But <laughs> I just guys, I just don't get it. They're just so ugly and weird looking. They're like snakes with cat faces. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm glad uh, that's where we're starting the episode. So that's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our hundredth episode. Just launch into the episode with Christy fucking screaming about hating cats. Not hating One hundred episodes. Yeah. yeah. Yay! And I wasn't talking about hating cats. I was ha- talking about hating scrote cats, naked cats, snake cats. Snake Sphinx cat. cats, in case that part of the conversation gets cut out later. I think there would be hairless cats, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Look like shriveled <laughs> up balls. <laughs> Scrote cats. Wow. That, but that's strange. Like, from my understanding, is that all women just love balls? No. Listeners, no. I, w- I wish you could see Christy's face right now. No. That is the look of horrifying f- terror. That's not Tara's disgust. (laughs) No. Anyway, welcome, DRD listeners. This seems to be a perfect way to introduce our 100th episode. I felt like that was a sting, Tim, and I really hoped that you would, like, join in with something. 100 over 100. What? Well, we're not not (laughs) over. Well, I guess... Technically, we have bonus episodes that put our we episode do. kind of above 100, but we yes. Do. we've Yes. Of our numbered episodes, this is the 100th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I we, am... we were just having a little walk down memory lane before we started recording the episode, trying to figure out when some of our, our past co-hosts left us and stuff like that. So, hey, yes, whoa. Time. Why did we have to... I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying they left. Yeah. I'm just making a note. They can come back. They're always welcome. Yeah, we always like always having welcome. guest appearances. We miss them. We miss them. Anyway, uh, yeah, we made it to 100. At least the three of us made it to 100. We <laughs> we got here, and we've had many. Well, let's be fall. honest. I made it to 100 episodes. Used to fucks have bolted a couple times. So I don't think anybody else is oh, close to 100 I've episodes. I've bolted more than anyone else. This is, this is Mark's 100th episode. <laughs> the rest of it's you guys. Mark's 100. Let's celebrate Mark and make us feel guilty. Yep. That's, that's exactly what the plan is. Having about. real life responsibility. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> sorry that I'm just like a really popular person. And so's Tim. And you're, you know, got your cats. I do have my cats. I'm just kidding. You have a great life. You just spend most of it, you know, being high and chill. Alone, yeah. Being a cave troll. (laughs) Cave troll. Nothing nothing wrong with cave troll life. But hey, we love you because you edit our podcast. I was a cave troll this past weekend. Uh, Were you? Why were you a cave Uh, troll? Well, not entirely. But I, I, I stayed inside a lot and played a lot of video games and i played well played a lot of zelda but then i also went somewhere else indoors in the air conditioning and played a bunch of video games we'll get to that later air conditioning is key it is hot well i don't know if it's hot right now i haven't left the house today uh so there's that it looks like it's uh gonna rain here in hamilton i know stirring news 
Is this mm. is this what our hundredth episode has come to? Fucking small talk about <laughs> the weather. About the weather. So oh, um, it's, our, it's our meat of the episode, everybody. It's the weather uh, time. Homestar <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm Homestar Bana. Line. <laughs> I love Homestar. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess uh, we made it to hundred episodes. We've said it like four times already this episode, but uh, I am very proud of us for making it this far. Mark, you said you're going to be unveiling some new cover art for us. You'll have new art on this week's podcast. Ooh, that's so exciting. That's so exciting. Check out, so, check out our Facebook page. It's going to be like a new a new banner, right? Or a new, uh, or a new uh, it's a new, logo. It'll be a new uh, like profile picture. Image, okay. Probably. Is it new all new of us? Logo. Is it caricatures of all of us? Good, dear God, no. Why would oh. I do that? <laughs> I did start doing that when I was drunk one night, but I was like, I can't. It's very difficult to draw the height scale appropriately. So <laughs> no, it's I, not. Just make me the size of a bean. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much you and Tim coming up to my waist and then me looming over you. So. <laughs> I would love to see that. We should we could do it like Christy and I like doing the like under a like her on my shoulders doing like the like in a trench coat kind of thing like the two <laughs> people trying to sneak into a in your face <laughs> a just in the middle <laughs> and oh, still not tall not and still not as tall as I am. Probably. My name is Vincent yeah. Adultman. <laughs> mm. But yes, so we are going to be unveiling some new cover art and some new like branding, which is really exciting. Who knows where we'll be in the next 100 episodes? Maybe one of us will have died. <laughs> that seems that seems likely given like my general mental outlook and your, uh, you know, rampaging ability to find things that might almost kill you and just have. I, got hit, I almost got hit by a car three times this morning. Jesus, there you go. Three times. There you three go. So. The same. The same car. No. But I also got stalked last night on the way home. Yeah, that's my news. So, Dance Robot Dance episode two hundred will be Tim and Paul probably doing the episode together <laughs> from Atlanta and Korea because neither of them want to move back to Ontario right now. So, uh, but we're not going to talk about that because it's our hundredth episode. Yeah. Happy, happy times only. Happy times only. It was really scary last night because like a car followed me home on my bike. And I had to get Mark and I was like, please let me in. I can't find my keys and I'm very scared. And then he came to the door and he brought a hammer and he was just like, go inside. And I was like, babe, don't have a hammer. Get back and don't put the hammer outside. And he was like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I was like, don't use your calm voice on me. That's bullshit. Take it. Put the hammer back inside. He's going to drop the hammer on some bitches. So you were having to talk him down from doing something stupid rather than the usual alternative. Yeah. Yeah. When do I do stupid stuff? Like picking up shit that you find in piles of garbage, and that's a cool puppet. That's different. <laughs> it's a cool toddler corpse. <laughs> Not a toddler corpse. I, I forgot know, you talked cursed. about that. You that's, freak. No, that's that's my new story pitch for tonight, guys. Is it's actually like a cursed toddler that's that died as a puppet. Well, oh there goes it my story. Thanks for the spoilers, Tim. <laughs> doesn't make any sense. They're supposed to team up with the underwear fairy and then, like, no. take on I thought maybe we'd miss the underwear fairy. It was like the Sinister Six of fucking Christie's weird things that happen in Christie's, <laughs> like, life. So No. I don't want that to be any sort of reality. No. <laughs> well, how will we talk about where we're all going to be in about 12 episodes from now, then? Yeah. I was going to get to that. It's very exciting. 
Very exciting. Tim, why don't you tell us where we're going to be in the next 12 episodes? So there's a little bit of a story that goes along with this. Uh, a couple of weeks, uh, yeah, about two weeks ago, it was my birthday. And uh, we had people over for one of our cocktails and cupcakes parties. Everybody went home like around like 1130. And there was plenty of booze left. So I just kept drinking and started like messaging Mark and being like, man, I wish you were here. You know, you need to come visit sometime. And eventually I said like, what would happen if I just like, bought you a plane ticket to come down to Atlanta for Dragon Con. And he was like, uh, I'll do it, I guess. And I don't think he entirely expected that I was serious. I thought he was so drunk he would fucking have forgotten the next day. I didn't think he would go through with it that night. I thought he'd be like, no, that, I was fucking plastered. I'm not spending $500 on you to fly down to Atlanta. So I was like, no, this isn't going to happen. Lo and behold, like the next morning, I got emails and my fucking thing. But he fell in the store. <laughs> yeah. So like I started like sending him like flights and shit and be like, how about this? And he was like, I guess, sure. Probably still not thinking I was actually going to go through with it. And then I fucking did nope. and sent him the confirmations and everything. Now, can we just note how fucking plastered Tim? Like I, Tim was trashed at this point. Like the text messages I got were. I'm not going to say afterwards. They they weren't, but they were. Yeah, they were pretty mangled. So (laughs) I was like, Tim's plastered. This is never going to happen. He's going to tell Alicia she's going to fucking beat him to death, and then it's never going to happen. So I was like, this isn't happening. (laughs) Well, Christy got home, and then everything popped off. So yeah. So and then uh, a couple days. Well, no, things like the day after, I was like, uh, so Christy, I did a thing, and uh, I figured I would extend the same courtesy to you. And Christy said, uh. Well, Christy, what was your response? Well, she talked to us that night, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And then said she wanted to talk to Mark the next day, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she checked with her, Mark, and uh, and then said, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. So I got Christy a ticket for Dragon Con now as well. So about a th- little less than three months from now, all three of your Dance Robot Dance co-hosts will be attending Dragon Con, the four-day, like, nerd sci-fi comic book fantasy convention in sunny atlanta georgia together and notorious like (laughs) party yeah absolutely so there will be a lot of crazy times i think we'll probably i'm sure we'll try something while we're uh, all down here together kind of thing (laughs) i'm looking into it right now like Mm -hmm. how how to record but we'll figure something out before i get down there or we get down yeah, so I'll be over Labor Day weekend, so the the episode after that, you guys will get to hear, I'm sure, plenty of fun and crazy stories about uh, your... Yeah. Your Christy probably dying from alcohol poisoning, trying to keep <laughs> up with us, but that's... I won't try to keep up with you. I'll just die. So, so that's like my belated uh, 100th anniversary gift to the podcast and to our listeners is getting all of us together in Atlanta for a con to attend together, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that, Tim. Sure, thank you. No problem. Guys. I'm, I'm I didn't think it was like real. <laughs> I was convinced he was just plastered and not actually going to go through with it. So I was like, <laughs> all right, whatever. Yeah. But well, see, what actually happened was, or, or or part of what sort of instigated it was that I started looking at flights and like the there were like nonstop flights from Toronto that were four hundred and twenty dollars US, and like I figured that was a sign that I needed to just go ahead and do it because it was mark and flights were 420 so yeah and to be fair when he messaged me at like the first message i got i was sitting out back rolling my jo- like, rolling <laughs> up, like having, starting a joint when he messaged me so i was just getting blazed as he i'd been out for dinner and then come home and i started getting messages from tim as i'm sitting on my back patio just like smoking a joint being like oh 420 that makes sense i guess we can go with it like i don't <laughs> 
was, all right. It was fine, the universe fine. telling us that it was meant to be. Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> I'm pretty. Pumped. So you have that to look forward to, listeners. Yes, should be fun times. But yeah, so that's going to be a blast and a half. And uh, it feels like a, it's too bad we couldn't do that on our 100th. How cool would that have been? It'll, yeah. Yeah, we would have to like planned it 100 episodes ago to start. Um, <laughs> maybe, which I don't think any of us was really thinking about, you know, 100 episodes in when we did our first episode. No, I thought I'd maybe make 40. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> and the truth comes out, listeners. Um, come on, nobody nobody thought I was gonna make it that long. Mark thought I would make like ten. My, me? Yeah. Or your mark. You. No. Uh I didn't think you'd show up for the third episode. Right. You didn't, actually. Now that I think about it, you didn't. Yeah, I didn't think you'd show up again after that first set of episodes. <laughs> after uh Oh yeah. Well, when no. we recorded it when we recorded at Eric's place. I didn't think she'd Oh up. right, right. After the Batman versus Superman. <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, no, not even that. Even before that, like even after the first episode, because she oh, didn't yeah. do the Ghostbusters episode, which was episode two technically, but three unofficially, because there was a second episode we recorded that same day that never saw the light of day. Oh, yeah. I would really like to hear how fucking bad we were on that episode, because <laughs> I wish I had that audio. I wasn't editing at the time, so I don't have the audio for the first like four. Someday, maybe we'll unearth that yeah. little gem. It'd be a bonus episode. Yeah. Listen to what we were when we started. <laughs> drunk and talking over each other the whole time. So yeah. very little has changed, obviously. Yep. <laughs> Indeed. Mm-hmm. But uh, just speaking to that, uh, very little changing. Uh, our preamble has been forever, so we're going to jump into news. Um, we're going to keep this nice and tight, just because it's only been about three days since we've talked. Not even, what, two days? Yeah, three days. Yeah. But Saturday, it, was, it was three right? days of E3, yeah. though. It's been E3, yes. though. It was E3 days. So it's three days with E3. And I thought that I'd just run through because, like, there a, a shit ton happened in E3. A, just a ton of a ton of news from that. But I want to keep it concise because we have a really fun episode ahead of us. And I don't want to get lost in news. So E3 happened and a lot of shit's coming out pretty much the news so uh some of the best games in my opinion that were highlights were i'm very excited for bioware's anthem i'd like it to be better than um andromeda i pray it's better than andromeda if it's not better than andromeda i give up on bioware it's a it's an online shooter though it's not really like an rpg kind of thing it's more like it's more like destiny than it is like no that's not the impression i got no there's that look of disgust again on christian's face yeah, it's their like take on like a a, a games of service. Oh. that's what Anthem is. Of course, yeah. Chris, you're doing visual bits. It wouldn't. Did you not watch the conference? No. Oh, okay. I'm... Yeah, I watched. I watched all the con. I, I'm off, so <laughs> lots of time on my hands. So I've been putting the conferences on in the background while I'm. Why don't you it. give us? Why don't you give us some highlights? Because I feel like they'll be better than mine. Well, h- having watched all of the conferences, Microsoft announced uh, Halo Inf- Infinite, which was kind of technically Halo Six, which looks pretty cool. They've shifted the art style around. It's still 343 Studios doing it. They also announced Gears of War 5 is yeah. going to be happening this year. There's a lot of sequels. Yeah. I guess that's where people are getting really excited about now. We're like, that's gaming these days. Yeah, long-running anyway. franchises, that kind of thing. Kingdom Hearts 3? Last of Us 2? Uh, well, I was, can I, go th- I was going through the con- conferences in oh, order. Sorry. So, yeah. Sony announced. CD Projekt Red announced Cyberpunk 2077. Yay. Like, Gave us a trailer at the end of the Microsoft conference. Microsoft announced a ton of games, so like you should really go and look if see if something suits your particular. They've did like fifteen world premieres in their conference. They announced something like forty games. It was insane. Yeah, they did a really good job. EA was super boring. 
Um, but they announced Anthem, which looks pretty cool. It even got my attention because uh, it's pretty much just like, what if Iron Man gave everybody Iron Man armor and then they went and fought monsters? And I was like, sounds interesting. What was the other one? So the next one was Ubisoft or no, uh, Bethesda was next. Bethesda announced the new Doom, uh, Fallout 76, which we kind of talked looks about, which cool. is another online, but it's another online game. It does look really cool. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> What else? Oh, they announced their two big, so Starfield, which is their new sci-fi franchise, which looks, I don't know anything about it, but the trailer looked interesting. And then they also announced Elder Scrolls 6. Yeah. Uh, so there's I have seen a lot of people excited about Elder Scrolls, but yeah. there's like, the Elder Scrolls has like a small but incredibly dedicated fan base kind of thing, and those people will just spend tons of fucking money in those games. So, yeah. I tried to play through um, Skyrim, and I was meh. Yeah. The next one was Ubisoft, and that... What did they announce? It was a new Assassin's Creed, same kind of shit. I know Square did their thing. They played Kingdom Hearts trailers at like all three conferences, their own, Microsoft's, and Sony's. The Sony conference was probably my favorite one. They gave us like actual gameplay for Last of Us 2, which looks ridiculously fucking good. They've got me on the line for at least... Out of the four big pillar titles that they have that they showed at E3, like I'm on board for three of them easily. Because Spider Man, oh yeah, yeah Spider Man looked Man amazing. Like, Spider Man was the big one uh, that comes out in September, so that's like the next one that comes out. They showed a ton of Spider Man; it looks fucking amazing. I'm super excited. The other one was Death Stranding, which is Hideo Kojima, uh, the guy who created Metal Gear's new game. They actually showed a gameplay. I mean, it it's got some killer fuck. cast no idea. too. Yeah, it's got Norman Reedus and Leia Seydoux or whatever her name is. Uh, uh, also, um, it's got what's his name from Hannibal. Mads Mikkelsen is in it. Mads yeah. Mikkelsen and uh, Guillermo del Toro. I don't know if Guillermo was. I think he's just producing or like helping. No, he's in it. Is he in it? Okay. Yeah, he's in one of the trailers. He wasn't in the cast list, so uh, at the end of the Sony trailer. So. Oh, okay. Well, he was in the tr- one of the trailers. I think he just has a cameo because he loves that yeah. stuff. Yeah. When he also he advised on that game or something, didn't he? No, he was working on a game with Kojima, like to reboot the Silent Hill franchise mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. They got canceled and everybody got all pissed off about it blah blah, blah. this is ages ago um so they've been working together kojima's like a notorious kind of like wackadoo <laughs> so and then the other the only one was like the fourth one was ghost of tsushima which is like a it looks like an rpg-ish kind of action game uh set in feudal japan it's beautiful like the game looked really cool like it looked like the graphics were great i didn't do much for me gameplay wise other than that they didn't announce anything huge resident evil 2 remake is coming a couple yeah, that games. sounds kind of cool. And then the Nintendo conference happened this morning, and the big news was just like all of every character that has ever been in a Smash Brothers game is coming back for yeah. Smash Switch, which is nuts. Yeah, that's that's nuts of bananas. And they uh, showed some <clears throat> stuff about Super Mario Party, where yeah. like you can have multiple Switches interacting with each other and shit like that, which looked yeah. kind of neat. That looks pretty rad. There was a ton of other announcements that I cannot remember off the top of my head right now. The ones Shadow that of the Tomb Raider. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, they showed stuff at the Square uh, thing on, on the Microsoft stage. Uh, that is a must-buy for me. I love those Shadow uh, Tomb Raider games. I was just talking about those with Paul, actually, this weekend. I saw the movie, actually, the new movie this weekend. It was... Oh, uh, was it good? It was good. It was all right. It was watchable. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So There were some other big Nintendo titles. They're not titles I give a shit about, but pretty big titles for them. There's Fire Emblem is coming to Switch with a game called Three Houses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Uh, well, that's uh, just DLC. Getting re-released. No, it's like a remaster for Switch, oh, okay. I think, is, is what they okay. announced this week. 
so that that because Xenoblade Chronicles 2 came out for mm. Wii U and hasn't come across. Okay, so I guess it's coming out on Switch, so. and it sounds like it's also getting some additional content to it as well. But uh, yeah, so there's lots and lots at E3. We would what I would recommend doing um, is just go. And if you don't want to watch the conference, just look for YouTube videos that are just gameplay trailers because there's so much cool stuff coming out. And that's like the rad thing about being, I guess, the age that we are because we can appreciate how amazing the the graphics and the gameplay have become mm-hmm. over the years. Like, it's insane. Yeah. Like, in the last few years, there hasn't been, like, as much of a leap because our graphics have been pretty decent for a while now. Yeah. but. Like it's just the remasterings and everything that are coming out. Yeah. It's so cool. Yep. Yeah. No. E uh, three this year impressed. Like I've never sat through like all the conferences like this. I might never do that again. I just happen to be off right now, so I sat down and watched them all. I was thoroughly impressed. Sony sold me like probably ten games in the next two years just based on those trailers alone. Yeah. So I'm like, um, I'm yeah. pretty into that. Uh, Smash Brothers. I don't really care about that much. That's like the one Nintendo franchise that does very little for me. So I'm kind of in between big. Nintendo so they, releases, I guess, on the Switch. So right Sony now. sold you ten games, out of which you'll probably actually play three, based on our Shame Piles episode. <laughs> yeah, probably pretty mm-hmm. much. But they'll they'll get my money for at least like a solid <laughs> seven to ten games. Yeah, like there was a ton of stuff they announced. Yeah. It was good. Even Microsoft, like I have my Xbox, so some of their exclusive stuff that they announced because they bought a bunch of indie studios, which is really cool. Yeah, I saw that too. I thought that was. But interesting. they also added them to their, like their mainline publishing arm, so like they're taking those guys and like just dumping money into them to make them big full studios. So they've got something like I want to say nine full fully functional like into like first party wow. studios under Microsoft's umbrella only for Well, good. Uh, good. It's about time that that sh- like start recognizing indie developers like for the Well, it's not just that. Really it's in- just them having like, wonderful performers yeah, they are. But like also just them not having any exclusives I think was like starting to cripple them, especially and they talked about yes. it on their stage leading into the next generation like the ps5 i guess technically generation xbox 2 which they said they're on stage like we're working on it it's not that far off so yeah hmm. it's cool it was fun it was interesting that's rad but yeah what would you say uh tim did you have a most exciting uh, e3 uh a most excitable list like maybe top like three or four games at e3 well i am the least serious gamer out of all of us but uh honestly i mean that Spider-Man game does look pretty cool, but uh, outside of that, like I, I find it really hard to get invested in games that are not related to properties that I already sort of invested in. I did see that something about a new Star Wars game that looked kind of cool, but I I didn't tr- follow the E3 news very closely. Yeah, they're honest. updating Battlefront mm-hmm. 2 to include all the Clone Wars stuff. So like they're getting Doku and all those guys are getting included in Battlefront 2. But they also announced they didn't even have key art for it so i'm assuming this like just happened in the wake of them canceling the last single player star wars game Mm -hmm. they announced the new single player star wars game at e3 in the most awkward fucking interview i've ever seen in my life (laughs) it's like right off the stage but whatever yeah they're saying uh what's by a studio called respawn and the game is called (laughs) star wars jedi fallen order and it's supposed to be coming in holiday 2019 horseshit it'll be 2021 before we see (laughs) but that's who knows? Hey, if it's good, I don't care. You can like make me wait as long as you want, yeah. as long as it plays well. Set, set between episodes three and four. So yeah, it's know. supposed to deal with like the calling of the Jedi's and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, so there's a super interesting. A, mm-hmm. It's a Padawan that uh, survives when Order Thirty Six or whatever it is, where uh, 
You would know better than either of us. Yeah, Tim. where uh, uh, Anakin goes around slaughtering fucking children because that's apparently a thing. That oh my god, <laughs> keeps well, killing the younglings. Yeah. Younglings, killing younglings. I love that meme. Maybe you not seen it's horrible. That? <laughs> no, no, not big enough in the Star Wars to see memes about Star Wars. It's so. it's literally just like him laying on the ground, like with a case of younglings, just like pounding them back, kind of thing. Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yingling is American beer. Mm. Yeah, I didn't get that either. <laughs> American. I did not get that reference. No. But yeah, I think the games I'm most excited for are probably, I was excited for Anthem, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm pretty pumped for Cyberpunk uh, 2077 just because anything that CD Projekt Red does, I'm kind of behind because they gave me Witcher. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that's good. I believe in you. Cyberpunk 2077 looks fucking really cool. Yeah, so, looks really it, cool. I was kind of like, like, like... Blade Runner, the video game, so I'm kind of like... Yeah. yeah, when they first announced it, I was like, is that... Really? That's your name for it? Really? All right. Did but you now see, I get like, it. How, how cool their fucking presentation was? Like, that trailer, like, all that text that starts the trailer. Did you watch the trailer? No, I saw... Well, I did watch the trailer, but I, didn't know, I don't remember text. There was like a, I don't, maybe it was just part of the presentation, but like they had like a, it was almost like a DOS prompt boot up kind of sequence that oh, went cool. before the actual thing started up. But there was like half the plot to the thing was just like embedded in that DOS prompt text mm-hmm. as it scrolled through real quick. Mm-hmm. And then they also gave out something like 250 codes to Witcher 3 in that, like on the Xbox store in the codes. Cool. So they just, there was just like redeem, redeemable codes inside the video. You can go grab like copy Witcher nice. 3 for. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. But yeah, no, I'm I'm also uh super pumped for Last of Us 2. I've been waiting for that for years now. I'm very excited. Yeah, that's uh that's a day one play for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. And uh and I that looks hmm? Were you not off put by the violence? Like there I saw a lot of chatter online about people being like super off put by how fucking brutal that trailer was. <laughs> I know, but I feel like it won't be like that the whole game. They also did that with the last game where it was like it was just constant, violent, like, just murder all the time. But it wasn't that graphic in the actual play. I don't know, man. I don't remember ever sticking the claw end of a hammer into a guy's skull and then just walking away in the first game. So yeah, and I saw pretty... that in the gameplay footage in Last of Us 2. Because I was watching a watch-along with one of the podcast groups that yeah. I watched. And... It feels like it's going to be brutal. And, like, everybody on the panel and me all at the same time while we're watching the video and the hammer went into the guy's head. Like we all were like, Oh, all at once. Cause it was just like really fucking graphic. Cause like the eye pops a little bit and shit. It was gross. Yeah. <sighs> Although to be fair, did you see like the, even like the animation for the kissing, like it actually looked like their lips were touching and like deforming properly. That never happens. They did a really good job, like putting the game together. So mm-hmm. I did see IO nine had a whole, article or thing it was probably like from kotaku originally on that kiss really yeah oh yeah yeah the tech behind like actually having two like humans interact and the skin reacting properly on a playstation 4 game is like apparently historic or something like that so like it's Hmm. a crazy amount of technology that goes just into that scene well yeah because people have never been able to get actual like contact yes one of my favorite awkward sex scenes ever was in um heavy rain oh do you remember, yeah. remember that sex scene i i did yeah I, I played at least to that point of heavy rain so that was video game I, sex i scenes, did not play it not surprisingly great. 
up to up to actually ever. I don't think I've ever seen one that was like good. So it usually just looks like polygons, kind of like in the general vicinity of each other, it's like it's smashing kind of, against each other and clipping. More or less. Yeah, and clipping and like <laughs> yeah, no no deformation or anything like that. Whereas like The Last of Us, that was why people were super impressed at the beginning of that because they actually like it's two people smooshing together and like they actually the skin deforms properly and it's like it's a little it's, it's a little like puckery a little, but it's but hey it's better than anything i've seen up till now so i just like seeing ellie grown like that is really jarring well would you expect her to still be a kid no but you know what i mean like it's just it's very and she's gonna yeah. she's got to be an adult because she's gonna murder like 500 yeah. people in this game so yeah she's yeah it's definitely you know what I don't. I don't think I watched the full trailer. I think I. I think I must have missed something because you should go to the. Uh, you should go to the conference, like the full Sony conference, and watch the full. Like no, I, I just pulled it up. The uh, the eleven minutes of gameplay. That's yeah. That's probably it. Yeah, she's she's doing some shit, but yeah, no, I. Uh, I I'm I'm just Ellie breaks me. She's so like what a just sad character i think as much as i love last of us playing her prequel was just devastating yeah yeah that was a tough that was a tough sit yeah the last of us was a tough sit really it was but it was it took took me a while to get into it was worth it though oh yeah but yeah do you guys have anything else to say before we move on to geek of the week because we are already 30 minutes in and we got a lot to talk about the only other news is something that mark and i discussed a little bit uh offline which is uh, some DC Comics and DC Entertainment news, which is that uh, Jeff Johns, who has been serving as the company's president and chief creative officer, is uh, taking a not necessarily a it's not necessarily like a step back or a demotion or anything like that. He's just sort of shifting to take on more of a creative role. I read it like he was just like he signed a a creative deal and he's not like involved with production anymore. So I, I didn't read an article about it, so you can tell me if I'm wrong. But what I read in like the brief little bit that I did was just like he's left DC and like just signed a production deal with them to write for them. Yeah, well, it's he's no longer an an executive for the company. He yeah, signed okay. an exclusive deal to basically create content, but it's not just comic book content. Like he's going to be producing movies for them and stuff as well. Um, so it sounds like he's just going to be like less at that executive level and more at the sort of hands-on level, which honestly I think might be where he functions a little bit better anyways, because he's a fucking outstanding writer. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly like the the fact that him and Jim Lee took those executive roles always irked me a little bit because. Yeah. So Jim Lee is the one that's taking over as the chief creative officer now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so some of the stuff that Jeff Johns is going to be working on is Warner Brothers Green Lantern Corps film, and he has done amazing things writing for Green Lantern, like in the mid two thousands. So that sounds cool. It's going to be featuring Hal Jordan and John Stewart, which I'm sure Mark's not going to be happy to hear. Yeah, fuck Hal Jordan, but I mean, <laughs> as long as John Stewart's in there, I'm fine. I'd rather that's the one I think they should just go with. Yeah, Whole Hog. So. Because there's like a generation of people who are like us who read all of it, and then there's that generation that grew up on Justice League Unlimited. Like they haven't had a mass media version of Hal Jordan that people don't hate. Mm-hmm. So I would just be like, take the one that's beloved by like a decent portion of the fan base and use that one. But I'm not Jeff Johns, and I don't have a boner for Hal Jordan like he does. So well, yeah, I mean Jeff Johns, like when like he started writing it, he wrote. Uh, Green Lantern Rebirth was, I think, Jeff Johns' first first yeah. Green Lantern story, and is still like 
gone back and referred to as like one of the best Green Lantern stories of the past like 30 years or something like that. Hmm. Well, he likes to, whenever he writes Green Lantern, he likes to return and like refer back to it all the fucking time too. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not really just like everybody loves it and that people love it. And I've read it. I thought it was great, but he does like to like reinforce its legendary status on his own <laughs> by referring back to it in his own work all the time. He does. And he does that on other stuff as well. But in oh, terms yeah. of comic book properties, he's apparently going to be working on. He's writing a new Shazam, Captain Marvel, not the D- Marvel Captain Marvel, DC Captain Marvel series, a uh, book about called Three Jokers. Mark, did you ever read that? I think it was The Button. There, there was storyline that ended with basically a revelation that there were actually three Jokers in the DC universe. And but then it sort of hasn't been touched since then. That was a couple, maybe a year or so ago now. So I guess he's finally going to sort of address that, which seems like it could be pretty fucking cool. And then he's also going to be, have his own, like, I don't know. It sounds like a sort of sub imprint within DC called the killing zone that is going to focus on lesser known DC characters, which I love lesser known DC characters. So I'm pumped for that too. But yeah, he's still involved in Wonder Woman 2 and uh, still has some involvement in the Titans live action series that's coming up. So There was a story about him this week, too, uh, that he was handing people uh, script rewrites on Justice League faster than the actual writer could get them to the director. <laughs> oh, yeah. So there was, uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a, uh, I guess the, the actual writer of Justice League was being interviewed and being like, yeah, he just pretty much rewrote the whole fucking movie underneath me. So I was like, <laughs> he's like, I got paid, so whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Not super happy about it, but you know. You <laughs> yeah. <do? laughs> but uh yeah, I'm all, I'm always excited for more Jeff Johns comic books. He is one of my favorite yeah. comic book writers, so that was all I had. Cool. Yeah, no, I uh again that's not stuff I know, but I'm glad you guys are feeling excited about it again. Welcome to me listening to you guys talk about E3 stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, okay, so, uh, let's move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. Hundredth Geek. No, we didn't start doing it right at the start. I can't remember when we did We didn't, did we? No, I think it it came, it came around, like, sort of when the rest of the format of the podcast gelled, like, somewhere around our maybe 10th episode or something like that. Yeah. Right. So right, maybe it's right, like right. our 90th geek of the week. 90th geek. <laughs> With that said, this is the portion of the episode where we uh, discuss the geeky things that we did this week because we are geeks and this is how we do. So, uh, Mark, why don't you start us off with your geekiest thing that you did this week? Uh, we already talked about it. Uh, I actually sat down and watched seven E3 conferences, I uh, think, which is not something I usually do. Usually I'm like, a, just go to Kotaku like that night and kind of figure out what the highlights yep. are and the highlights. Yeah. And like, go watch the trailers that I want to watch. But I, I mean, it was nice. I mean, but I, we talked about it because like I said, Sony sold me a whole bunch of games that I probably never would have looked at otherwise by doing that. So it is something maybe in the future, I'll probably look to do a little bit more. I really just set myself up in my little like office and like did some inking and drawing and stuff like that while I was doing it. So I was just like in full, just nerdy mode, like listening to nerds talk about video games and drawing transformers because it's in my head right now spoilers <laughs> so that's it for me really i don't oh i beat that death coming game fucking amazing yeah. hysterically funny you guys need to play <laughs> it it's so funny 
it's pretty fucking awesome. So I definitely recommend everybody go and like go on Steam, grab that game and put, click through it because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, E3 was my geek of the week because that's we've only been offline between episodes for three days and that's all I, all that has happened in the last three days has been e3 i think the rest of the world shut down as far as i'm concerned <laughs> fair enough yeah, yeah i so. love those moments like those times though when like you kind of forget that everything else is happening because you're just so invested in something that's how i used to get when i read harry potter yeah it's just like the one like i just it's just like the the luck of the draw i happen to be off work right now and have a ton of time on my hands so i'm just like I can do a bunch of drawing, which I don't usually get to do. And I got to sit there and watch every fucking nook and cranny of every presentation that came across my Twitch stream all week. So sweet. It was pretty good. Nice. Um, what about you, Tim? What was your geek of the week? Uh, I took a break from saving Hyrule and Breath of the Wild on Sunday to go play video games in a different room. Um, so I went to uh, for the second time, I went to the Southern Fried Gaming Expo which is at a hot or a hotel like convention center, like sort of just outside Atlanta. And they have like fucking two, I think they had over 200, no, I think it was over 300 different like arcade cabinets and pinball games and like anything ranging from like the old, like pizza parlor, like cocktail table games of like, you know, shit like Galaga and mm-hmm. space invaders and Pac-Man and stuff like that up to, you know, games like the, those, big like crazy multiplayer games of the 90s like turtles in time and shit like that and and even like really old pinball games up until like brand new stuff that was just like released in the last couple of years like they had uh, stern pinball was there that had they just released a new iron maiden pinball machine that's a lot of fucking oh, fun yeah. and it's uh they had about like they must have like 10 different uh, just of that one game there so that i guess you know they're just really uh, a lot of people go to these and like will decide they're going to buy one for their collection or for their like local arcade or barcade or whatever kind of thing. So, but yeah, it was this uh, Southern Fried Game Expo. It was super fun. It's just like I said, I mean, it goes on for like three days, but I only went on the Sunday partially because we were recording on Saturday and other stuff going on. But yeah, like it's, it was like 20 bucks just to get in. And I spent like probably a good five hours just walking around playing various mostly pinball games because i'm a big fucking sucker for pinball but also some old like arcade games and a little bit of console games and stuff like that i'm assuming everything's set free to play and you just kind of wander around and play whatever you want nice cool yeah exactly i mean sometimes you gotta like wait you know for a couple people to go through but there's also like uh, it's the sort of thing where like they have a bunch of the like circuit and tournament events and stuff like that as well so a lot of the people there are like really know their fucking shit and so, you, you know, you can sit there sometimes and just watch somebody like rack up a shit ton of points and play like one game for half an hour kind of thing. And nice. Billy Mitchell was there, the guy that just recently got his Donkey Kong record stripped away from him because yeah. he revealed that he was cheating. But what? he was still there. <laughs> yeah. You remember that documentary, the what, King of Kong King that of Kong, came out yeah. I don't know, like five years ago or something like that? Oh, yeah. That was a while ago. Yeah, so uh, just within the last like six months or so, they uh, basically somebody or some people like because uh, anytime that you're doing like these record breaking videos, you've got to have like an actual video of it, right? And so he okay. had a video of it, but somebody tore it apart and found that basically that the screens were loading as though they were being loaded in an emulator, yeah. not on the actual arcade cabinet. What? Yeah. Uh, and on an editor called uh, Mame M A M E. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so he had like all of his records and stuff stripped away and he's never like come out and like admitted that he cheated kind of thing. He's still trying to play it off like they're 
everybody's just out to get him or some shit, but yeah. But it's pretty it's interesting character. It's pretty damning. The evidence is pretty funny. Yeah, the story went around like Kotaku and like the game media. Uh I want to say like three or four months ago that he had like been stripped yeah. and there was like a bunch of controversy around it and stuff like that. But yeah. Yeah, he was a, he was like hot shit for like well a hot minute really just like pretty much a cup of coffee at one point when he got that record because it was like a crazy crazy record to have or something like that I guess I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that into retro gaming that I'm like I know about the high scores of shit like that so well there there's a, the issue I think with Donkey Kong in particular if I'm remembering right is there's a point where like you just can't play past like you get to a certain level and the game just runs out of memory and glitches yeah there's a kill screen on it or something like that yeah exactly there's a kill screen so. Basically, the whole strategy lies in amassing as many points as you can before you get to that point. Yeah. And, like, nobody had ever seen, like, anybody get the score that he had before he hit that kill screen kind of thing. So, but, yeah, it turns out it was not really real. So. Wow. Anyways, yeah. That would suck. Yeah. But he still, like, makes the fucking circuit on all these gaming conventions, stuff like that. He has a line of hot sauces that he hawks at them, and he, like, yeah, so. Oh my god. But anyways, yeah, gaming expos, if you have one near you, I know there's they're starting to become a lot more popular now. Uh, and I think there's like one in Toronto and there's another in like Nashville's and stuff like that. So check them out. If there's one near you, they're a lot of fun. She just really like talk mm-hmm. to Mark. He would probably know better than any of us about that kind of stuff. Yeah. He took me to one a few years ago that had it was like Star Wall. Do you remember that oh. game where it was like you had to fight narwhals? You were each a narwhal and you had to like <laughs> right, destroy right, each other. Right. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were just yeah. launching that and a couple other games that came out in Toronto and it was really cool. Yeah. Anyways. That was my geek of the week. It was a good geek of the week. My geek of the week was that um I don't know really what started it, but it happened and I've watched like five Marvel movies. Really? Just like couple a couple weeks late or whatever. Yeah. Like I don't know, I don't know what it, I don't know what it was, but I guess it started with Doctor Strange. I just put on for like backward background noise when I was editing some photos, and then I was like, "Oh, that was I remember that? Oh, I've forgotten a lot about that." Huh. And then like I saw Thor Ragnarok pop up, and I was like, "I could watch Thor Ragnarok," and so that was on. And then all of a sudden, I'd watched Captain America: The First Avenger, Captain America: Winter Soldier, and now Iron Man. Nice. And I'm just like, you're going right? back in time through the Marvel chronology. You're watching them like I'm going to watch them in order now. I'm going to watch what she's order. doing is actually watching what's available on Netflix in Canada right now. From what I can, yeah, think. yeah. Well, Iron Man's not, so I have to. Isn't it? It was, it was, no. but it's not anymore. Oh, okay. So not for much longer. All that shit's going to be going over to Disney streaming eventually. Oh, God knows I'm buying into that Disney one too. That's the, like the worst part, especially if they get the Fox stuff. Like, how can you not? They're gonna have like all my favorite movies and shit is all gonna be like in one spot, <laughs> oh. mm-hmm. except for Star Trek, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm. Uh, um, that's been my. That's honestly that's my geekiest thing. Is I've just been watching, and I'm, I put them on at work because they are good just to kind of like have on because yeah. I know them. Yeah, exactly. That's stuff you don't have to pay really close attention to or whatever. Yeah. But I'd forgotten so much about the first Captain America. And Red Skull was a cool villain, but you're right. There's no substance to any of the beginning characters. Like Iron Man, Iron Man's villain was pretty good. But he wasn't like. Ironmonger. Yeah, he wasn't like great. No. 
Yeah, villains, <sighs> they didn't really. Villains never really like not their strong suit till like yeah. kind of phase two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's my geekiest thing of the week. That's it. Just been. I'm probably gonna finish all of them. I'm nice. like on a bender now. Yeah. Well, you you listened to Tim and I having just done it too, right? Like we yeah. Tim did it over the weeks, and I did like a fucking weekend long binge Super or something binge. like that, right which before. is nuts. Yeah, but I have problems. We're I have work. problems. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I guess this means we're moving on to the meat of the episode. Stories about meat. Meaty stories. Not actually. So yeah, they're not I, actually I think stories Mark's about might meat. Be about robo meat. Robo meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't love robo meat? Robo meat is every girl's best friend. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> So, uh, what we decided to do was we loved what we did at episode 50 so much that we decided to do it again for episode 100 because we had lots of ideas. And what we're doing is we are going to be pitching. It's like a pitch meeting where we're pitching our ideas to each other about things that we loved and stories that we've come up with, whether based on our own like interests and genre specific stuff like it could be something about marvel it could be something about like a character from marvel or it could be um something about the king killer chronicle it's not but you know just as reference or it could be our own original ideas so what we're gonna do is we're gonna start with mark just like put it out there mark and he's gonna pitch us his idea and then tim and i will talk it out with him and break down some cool suggestions that we might have or things that we really liked and then we'll go to tim and then to me and then we'll call a night and we'd love to hear what you think of our ideas at the end this is just really like it's the geekiest thing that we could do if you really think about it is like it's almost like ultimate fan fiction. writing fan fiction yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um mine's like yeah it's anyway let's start with you mark why don't you start us off on this crazy ride as michael taylor comments on our dance robot dance link yeah, I just got that notification, too. I didn't get any notification. I'm the administrator on that page. Anyway, <laughs> so a lot of this stuff always comes back to when I was trying to like break into comics and stuff like that. I did a bunch of writing and pitched to a couple companies, IDW included, for two properties. The one that I'm going to talk about tonight is Transformers, obviously. Woo. So my whole plan for this is to just get away from... It's pretty much to do like an ultimate, and this is my thing all the time, is just doing like the ultimate version of something. So like, this is my ultimate G1 kind of launch take. So it's ostensibly the same story that we got in the original series, just with the stakes elevated to the point that they are in the original movie, like the 86 movie. Okay. So everybody is fair game to die. Horrifying. Intriguing. This is G. Just Transformers G1, if written by George R. Uh-huh. Martin. Well, written Robots by me. in their graves. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I take a lot of pride in the fact that they are robots, and therefore you can do fucking horrifying things to them, and then get them like reformatted or repaired or put into stasis lock and torn into some dark shit. And shit and- you can, yeah. you can, yeah, but they're fucking robots, so you can kind of get away with it. So my. Like everything starts pretty much exactly the same way. The only difference, really, like from what you would have seen in the G1 cartoon, is that it's more in line with the. And I don't know, Christy, if you'll remember, like a couple years ago, they put out a, a pair of games called uh, War for Cybertron and Fall of Cybertron. No. Oh, those are the ones that were like, were those the ones that were like the really cool, like cel shaded uh, style and everything? No. 
that was devastation, which oh, okay. is my, if I was going to do this as an animated series, that would be the style of animation I would want is mm. just get everything in those cell shaded, like CG models and do it that way, as mm. opposed to trying to hand animate it. Cause that would be insane. Or, and I find the CG is fine, but like, I prefer that like cell shaded look. Cause then you get that really crisp, like cartoon look mm-hmm. that I really like. So 3d cartoon kind of look. Yeah. So that would be how I would want it produced if i was going to do it like this is like a netflix series because like these robots are getting fucking massacred and this is this is live action no 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 no. i would want it to be okay. like a cg like kind of cartoon like animated okay because i don't think i could get away with some of the stuff that i want to do yeah i did because <laughs> so my whole pitch so what happens is after cybertron falls the autobots and decepticons like they come to earth but like they all get knocked out but there's all these stupid things that happen in g1 like the decepticons get woken up first and then just leave and leave the autobots there laying no, 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 no. So, like, there's a little nitpicky stuff where it's not. So, what happens in the original like show is that like a vol- they crash into a volcano and the volcano becomes active and that's kind of what nudges them back alive. My thing would be the like that same thing happens, but the computer just figures out a way to tap into the geothermal thing and reactivates itself and just happens to hit its. I think it's Thundercracker that gets picked up first, one of the jets. And he yeah. reformats the Decepticons. And as they leave, what happens is that Teletra, like when they turn to like, instead of turning to leave, they turn to be like, well, we may as well fucking kill everybody that's still here in stasis lock because otherwise they might wake up. They'll come after us. The computer fucking fights them off as opposed to, you know what I mean? Like them just leaving because yeah. it's a stupid fucking idea for them to just leave their like mortal nemesis, like just laying there. Agreed. In the place yeah. where they just got mm-hmm. reformatted. Saturday morning cartoons from the 80s, man. So they leave <laughs> while all this is happening. Prime gets woken up. So he gets to like re- all his guys reformatted and all that kind of stuff. Now, the difference here is that like, while the Decepticons do go and do the same things where they're trying to find energy, there's massive fucking calamity that follows it along because these guys look at people the way we look at ants. I'm going to say like ants. Ostensibly, yeah, I guess. Ants. So nobody here respects <laughs> ants. Fuck ants. Yeah, exactly. Dance robot dance hates ants, <laughs> apparently. More stuff for PETA. <laughs> yeah. We already we had the cats on. I was nice to you the were cats. Nice to the cats. Yeah, until you talked about <laughs> backhanding it. Well, that was accidental, first of all. <laughs> and I don't think I recorded that part, but either way. Now, now it's, it's alive. Now it's on the podcast. <laughs> so either way, like the, the Decepticons either ignore the humans that are around them, but if they get in their way, they just fucking annihilate them. Like they're killing people in by the scores, like the thousands, because there's no military force on the planet that can handle the Decepticon oh, forces kind of thing, right? So, they're like, humans are completely up shit's creek. I kind of thought about having like a G.I. Joe tie-in way down the line where, like, that's kind of how G.I. Joe forms. is because That's the force that they is created to... Yeah, because the Decepticons have, like, are just vastly overpowering anybody that aren't the Autobots kind of thing. That's actually so, pretty rad. I like that idea. Well, there's, there's histori- a lot of historical precedent yeah. for uh, crossover between Transformers mm-hmm. and G.I. Joe in did they ever do it in the cartoon or was it I know it was in the comic series. No, or... not in the cartoon. Comics all the time, yeah. But not in the cartoon, I don't think ever. So so like all the stuff happens the way it normally would happen. It's just like I have little things where like instead of building the the Dinobots, the Dinobots were a strike team that like stole an emergency escape shuttle and fucked off and then crash landed and got stuck in stasis lock. Because like the whole Transformers lore is that they were yeah, it's four million years ago before they land, kind of thing. So they sit on Earth for a couple millennia, kind of thing. So when they first land, they get reformatted into the Dinobots, but then get 
put into stasis lock because there's not enough energon for them to actually function. They get picked up later and brought back and I'll get to all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of opportunity for like the other because what happens in the show is that like there's a set of them that land in season one, which is really just like the season one yeah. of the toy line. And then they yeah. just kept adding guys in season two as they wanted to sell yeah. more toys. <laughs> exactly. Right. So they want to sell more toys. My problem is like, how do I find a logical way for these characters to just show up when they weren't in the pilot or like any of the, and a lot of it is just like, they were in other parts of the ship. So like, they're not showing up at first. Like they just kind of show up as you go along. And like, Megatron's forces get bolstered when like they find Nemesis and I also have a, a total side arc where Starscream gets pissed at Megatron fucks off finds Astro Train or what would become oh, Astro Train and he reformats but he reformats all of those guys that are in Astro Train to be the other three coneheads so Dirge Thrust and yeah. Ramjet that go along with Thundercracker and Skywarp and Blitzwing and Astro Train so he has like an air force kind of thing set up I'd also kind of thought that would be where I'd put the Stunticon so that I could get Menasaur later, but that's down the road. And I guess, see, I delve deep into this because I pitched this like, I want it, like, I know my stuff. I want it to like actually write the book kind of thing and draw it. So I was getting in there and talking about all kinds of nerdy nonsense. Oh, I I just feel bad because I'm like, Mm -hmm. totally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember most of these characters, but I'm, I, yeah, some of the more like obscure ones escape me. Yeah, no, see, I'm like, I'm right into this whole thing. So what it all, the whole season leads up to, like the first season more or less leads up to them. And it's all stuff that I'm picking and choosing from the cartoon or the comic, like just to kind of include and like use in a different kind of spin on it kind of thing. But like, remember like really early on, they capture Ravage and find out what the Decepticon plan is. That happens later in the season where they capture Ravage and they find out that they're actually building the space bridge to come down. So when they attack the space bridge, it's too late. The space bridge is active and Shockwave and now the Constructicons have come across and just wipe the shit out of the Autobots for the most part because the Autobots ha- don't have combiners yet and Devastators mm. there just cripples them. So the Autobots have to go into hiding. The auto- the Decepticons get to run rampant. What saves them is that like I-, I said my thing was to have two missions go off and it'd be like Jazz, Cliff Jumper, and somebody else go and find the Dinobots mm. and ratchet ironhide and bumblebee fuck off and go find like all the shitty one all the shitty season two autobots that don't really like make that big a difference but they'll make a difference when they come back and they decide that they have to like they have to stop megatron the decepticons now like devastator and stuff like that the the dinobots come back they get stomped at first until like grimlock's rage thing kicks in and he's able to transform into the t-rex at which point they all figure out they have to get super angry to transform and then attack Devastator in their like Dinobot forms. And they take down Devastator. Finally turning the tide. Yeah, exactly. So like from there, it's all just like, how do you um, go from that to, I kind of eventually want to get to the movie. Like I have like issues and issues of stuff written out. So I don't know how long you want me to, how in detail you want me to get into this thing. Cause it can go on till I got about six pages. Wow. Notes. So, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Six pages. Yep. Hmm. But yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, if you want to go a little bit deeper, then like go deeper or we can like ask questions. To be honest, like I'm out of my element with Transformers. Well, see, that's my problem is like you guys don't necessarily know it the way I have for some reason learned <laughs> it all. So, yeah, you love Transformers. Yeah. I now understand why the movies were so <laughs> devastating for you. Yeah, I, hate, I hate like I hate, yeah. fucking hate all of them so much. Like That's why I'm so excited for like that Bumblebee movie, because it looks at least kind of like what I want it to be. 
So. I mean, no, it sounds it sounds like something I would watch because like I did go back and watch the original G one stuff like fifteen years ago or something like that, and there are yeah. some great episodes. There's also a lot of like filler, like kitty junk kind of thing. And uh, I think right now in particular, there would definitely be a lot of nostalgia for that. Like that Devastation game got a lot of props for going back to that like really like clean G1 kind of style. Yeah. And I bought it twice because Eric stole it and never, <laughs> I never got it back from him. So I, I was like, yeah. I really want to play Devastation again. So I was like, oh, it's on sale on the PlayStation store. I guess I'm buying it for 20 <laughs> bucks again. So there you go. Um, do, do you ever get into the, do you get far enough to get into like the, huge like fucking city size oh yeah oh yeah i get i get all the way to i get just past the movie like uh in like get to like metroplex and scorponok tryptocon oh yeah all those all those guys are in there i kind of lose the thread post the movie a little bit like that's kind of where i would be like yeah i'm done i think i've written like 150 issues worth of this thing i can kind of bounce out on here but like the whole thing like it ramps up to the movie you don't want to write the rodimus prime era uh no because i don't do the movie the same way so like wait the the real important part does the movie still have the song oh yeah absolutely the the touch yeah absolutely (laughs) i pretty much my idea this is a tv show this is ostensibly just going to like i'm just going to be drafting as many like of my musicians i can to like do soundtrack (laughs) stuff like i just want it to be as metal as fuck right like why not because it is just like it's heavy metal beating each other like it's fantastic so yeah Every time the robots hit each other, it's just the sound of a guitar going. Pew! I, don't know go, I don't know if I would go that nuts because that's kind of what they did in Devastation, but it it did kind of work in that game. So, yeah, eventually it turns into like just combiners on combiners because like it, like escalate. It's all just escalation, right? Like adding stuff and mm-hmm. things getting bigger and like things going crazy. Um, eventually, the the Autobots like they've taken the they take the space bridge in the Dinobot Devastator battle, so they're able to like go back to Cybertron talk to some people, get Metroplex to come down and form the core of Autobot City, move Omega Supreme to Earth, get, find Shockwave's, like, combiner technology so that he can, they mm. can make their own combiners and stuff, too. I kind of made it so that Shockwave was the one who created the combiner tech in my thing, because in other things, it's like, they just kind of naturally do it, which is crazy, but that's fine. <laughs> it's And then, it isn't it, it's a Superion that ends up being the first Autobot combiner, isn't it? Yeah, Superion, and that's, that's like, why, so they're part, like, I think I had them as part of the team that, like, the other group that didn't find the Dinobots finds, so when they come back, because Mm -hmm. I think that fight, the other problem that the, I've written that the Autobots were having was, like, now Starscream has ostensibly an Air Force under his command, so, like, any ground-based Autobot is, like, fucked now because they're just, just at a down. massive disadvantage yeah so when the the aerial bots show up and are able to kind of like take down starscream's forces like the battle kind of evens out a little bit and that's when mm-hmm. the dinobots can get in there and like attack devastator take him down at that point like with them having the space bridge is where i start to introduce those like the 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 movie characters so the ones that were introduced in the 86 movie so hot rod cup springer rc mm-hmm. and ultra magnus would show up around that time so yeah, so an agreement is reached and the Autobot City is commissioned in a fortified position just as Starscream in an uneasy alliance with Shockwave and the Constructicons resurface with a stolen with that stolen combiner tech and having built Stunticon, the Stunticons and yeah, so to form Mo- uh, Menasaur. The Dinobots are no fucking match for a pair of combiners at this point. They get fucking destroyed. That's where the Stunticons come in. Like they, the Stunticons, or sorry, the aerial bots come in and are able to fly, but not combine yet. They're made a combiner yeah. at this point so that they can kind of take down mm-hmm. all these other combiners going on. 
which at some point Prime gets fucking like crippled and put in stasis lock and like kind of tucked away for a little while. Bef- pre pre the movie, pre, him and Megatron both disappear at pre the movie um, for a little okay. while. Prime comes back before the movie. At that point, who takes over? I had left it as Ultra Magnus as the leader, okay. just because this is pre Starscream. Oh well, that's the thing. The Decepticon side is always in flux. Like it's always like, oh, Megatron's been crippled in a battle, so he's like being repaired by Soundwave in secret, and Shockwave and Starscream are fighting for control yeah. of the Decepticons, and like Soundwave's manipulating stuff. Yeah, that would be fun just having like a few episodes of just like Decepticon like Civil war, war kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, pretty much. And that and that gives Civil the war. yeah, and that gives the Autobots like a chance to sort of regroup and uh and yeah. and and develop some new strategies or something like that yeah. or maybe their role in it is just like uh trying to keep the damage at bay and keep the Decepticons like internal war from having too much of an effect on human the human world. That's pretty much they become like superheroes at that point. They become like a peacekeeping force where they're just kind of like with Prime out and Ultra Magnus not really being a good leader. They're just kind of like keeping things status quo for a little while. That is until like this is where I start to intro the movie stuff like the real like the actual plot of the movie starts to happen because that's when and he's not a reformatted Megatron. It's just an, an upgraded clone of Megatron and Galvatron shows up way more powerful than anybody else. And that's when the attack on. Oh, wait. Okay, no, sorry, I fucked up. So they have the attack, like, both, everybody wakes up, they have the attack on Autobot City, exactly like the movie, so that, like, that's that's going to turn into an all-out warfare, but it's not just going to be, like, what happens in the movie. There's also a side plot that happened in an episode called Scramble City, where all the combiners that had been introduced in Season 2, but weren't ready for the movie when they started the movie into production. Mm-hmm. They have a fight at the Ark, which includes Omega Supreme. So I want to have that all that fight happening at Autobot City. So it's just like complete chaos and people are dying in droves. People or robots? Everybody. Or everybody. Well, it's Autobot City, right? So you assume there's going to be like some, there's going to be a military installation and all that kind of stuff. Like there's going to yeah, be a G.I. Joe like installation. Diplomats and shit like that. Yeah, but everybody's just dying because it's just like unfettered Decepticon fucking, like it's a bloodbath at that point because they're just, they're going in for the kill. Like they want whatever. Yeah. There's a point because I think what I had a point earlier on where when Megatron returns. So what happens is Megatron returns and he decides, like, I'm going to take the energy we have, reformat the Nemesis ship, which is Trypticon in my continuity, kind of like it was in that game. Go back to Cybertron and just conquer Cybertron because that's what the whole fucking plan was to begin with as the Autobots build the city. Yeah, as, as the Autobots build a home on Earth, he's like, fuck this, I'm taking Cybertron the way I wanted to. He disappears on the trip back, I think is what I have happen. The rest of the like the rest of the Decepticons, led by Shockwave, take over. So you kind of get into that movie space. That's where mm-hmm. Gal- or Unicron kidnaps Megatron and clones him and creates Galvatron to send back, as opposed to actually killing Megatron, because I want Megatron. So yeah, so Megatron and Galvatron coexist at this point. Well, they coexist in a lot of most continuities. It's just the G one cartoon where they don't like the comics and a lot of other things. Like he is another Decepticon, or he is like a Unicron kind of whatever, like offshoot, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Okay. So here's my question: In yeah. this like grim, dark reboot where anything can happen, does do you pull the trigger on having a bunch of humans massacred in a transformation? Like Trypticon gets like a transformation triggered while he's full of humans or something like that. And there's just a fucking massacre. No, but I do. I do have like my, my Metroplex Trypticon fight happens on earth near, 
I was I had it in California and like in like a densely populated area. So probably like San Francisco kind of thing, because there's mm-hmm. I wanted them set up in the mountains. So by the time they kind of stop the fight or like they get to like really like that's kind of where Trypticon lands is in California mm-hmm. and just Metroplex knocking Trypticon over wipes out like three city blocks. Yeah. So just massive body count. Yeah, like it's just it's a total fucking calamity, right? Like it's the kind of thing that makes I hate saying shit like this, but like it's the kind of thing that makes 9-11 look like a walk through the park just on the term like the sheer scale of devastations yeah. going on. Cause like there are these huge overpowered robots that are the size of cities and they're falling and beating yeah. each other around people. Like we're not designed to defend against that. It reminds so. me of uh do you remember the that series Damage in the nineties where like in the first issue Damage like annihilates Atlanta? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's like that. Like humanity's not in a good space by the time you like they're rebuilding when they get to the movie kind of thing because the Decepticons have disappeared and it's just like they they're using transformer technology to like do solar taps and like power the planet and like and I'm sure the Decepticons have like fucking like fuck or tapped into the power grid and have started like oh, yeah. the, like fuck with the. Well, they're gone. By, the... At this point, they're gone. Like they've they've yeah. already left and like taken Cybertron back mm. and that kind of stuff. This sounds a little bit like Transformers meets like Battlestar Galactica, like humanity's last stand in a in a robotic war kind of thing. I don't I don't think it gets to the point where like humanity's like in danger of extinction or anything like yeah. that. But like I think a lot of densely populated areas take a lot of damage yeah. just based and where on they're the like struggling for resources and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, nice. Um, yeah, so from like there, it's like so the my my retelling of the movie is pretty much uh, so okay, yeah, so it, it's pretty much exactly the same plot as the movie, just with like not some people not dying, some people dying. Eventually, so the the new Decepticon forces, so like Galvatron and uh, Cyclonus and the sweeps and like the guys that he like he's like that whole Starscream scene I have to have in there because it's my favorite scene in mm-hmm. all of Transformers ever. So he will be killing <laughs> Starscream. Yeah. And doing the whole bit and like the fact that i can't get leonard nimoy to do his voice i'm so sorry <laughs> whoever's doing fucking galvatron's voice needs to just do a fucking leonard nimoy impression for me because i just want it to be that like mm-hmm. super growly leonard nimoy voice doing my galvatron yeah yeah but yeah it's it's not the happiest like it's not the happy g1 kind of version <laughs> of transformers kind of thing like i throw stuff in there from other continuities like nemesis prime shows up kind of in between the space bridge event and like the movie kind of stuff happening so like there's plots that can happen that aren't necessarily tied to the main through line that I want to write. So there's stuff all over the place that can happen, but it is really just like a really dark transformer story set in G1 continuity, just kind of picking and choosing my favorite parts of all the continuities that I've watched. So like stuff like stasis lock that came from beast wars, I can use liberally like uh, Mm -hmm. the nemesis prime stuff, which I think is awesome. You can just grab and use that kind of stuff all the time, grabbing stuff from even like, there's not a lot, but there is aspects of characters. Like my sound wave is not going to be a tape deck. Um, obviously it's going to be like the satellite, like the Michael mm-hmm. Bay movies kind of thing. Like he's a information gathering kind of unit. So, but here's the real question. Does your devastator have a big, like fucking Fireball? cyclone in his, uh, in oh. his mouth? Oh, you're more concerned about the, the cyclone in his mouth and not the fact that he had <laughs> wrecking balls for balls. Cause <laughs> I took more umbrage with that than I did with God the, uh, the shitty Devastator. No, my Devastator is a stand-up, like the Devastator you guys can see behind me right now. So yeah. not everything pretty much just looks like G1, maybe just updated a little bit. But my only problem with that is mostly Optimus Prime. Like you don't see that cab over engine kind of style truck anymore. But yeah, I can I can pay somebody to design that and make it look cool. You know what I mean? So Or yeah. I can do it, I guess, if I really want to. 
But yeah, eventually it all breaks into like, I think at that point you can kind of have like after the movie, you can kind of cut it into two series where you have like the Cybertronian guys, like all the, the movie class kind of people on like Cybertron doing galactic stuff. Mm-hmm. And then just go back to Earth and have Optimus Prime and Megatron duking it out there. Well, that makes it even more Game of Thronesy, where you've got like this story taking place on multiple yeah. fronts at the same time, kind of thing. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. without even communication between the two, so nobody really knows. You know, only the audience knows what's going on on both fronts of the battle at any given time, kind of thing. Yeah, and like I get into stuff about like the Quintessons and stuff later on, where like they start trying to like manipulate what's going on on Cybertron and blah, 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 blah. So there's some intrigue that's happening with them and they eventually get fucking wiped out by Optimus and like the real transformers and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, eventually you do like the big Scorponok versus Fortress Maximus fight on Cybertron, you know, yeah. whatever half cripples the planet and all that kind of stuff. Cause they're just so goddamn big, but I don't, I just kind of want to do this like big sweeping, really violent, like, cause it should not, like, it's a kid's show. So like they're, I don't know. You can't do it right, but like for me, it should be like they should just like getting ripped apart all the time. Like, yeah, it's one thing. Like you've got them just being like fucking maimed and having to like put themselves back together after every battle and shit like that. More or less, yeah. End up like swapping out parts, so like one you know salvaging parts from other transformers and shit, just to get back, yeah, to like to base and stuff like that. Like the whole like using Astrotrain to fly back to Cybertron, like that kind of stuff. Like yeah, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff happens all over the place, just because why not they're robots so you can like yeah you can absolutely have starscream lose his uh, like fucking left arm for a couple episodes because he got shot in the fucking chest by name a robot like it doesn't matter yeah. anymore so that's pretty much my pitch for like a season like a, a relaunch of g1 of transformers so as somebody that has not watched a transformer series like i got i lost the plot with like i started watching armada and was like oh, nope yeah. this is bullshit uh this is something i would definitely watch yeah, no, I, I honestly, I, I like that it's dark and I like that it's a bit more real than like you were saying, the kitty kind of chintzy stuff that used to happen, because I yeah. think that's what's the core of Transformers has always been a pretty intense, like it's a war story, really, like it's, yeah. it's opposing factions kind of thing. Like that's kind of the core of the franchise. So mm-hmm. if you pussyfoot around how devastating this fight would be on Earth, it's I don't know. It's the same kind of problem I always have with like superhero stuff where they don't really get into the the devastation. Oh yeah, or the of the like of how bad that kind of scenario would be mm-hmm. for like regular people, you know what I mean? So And that's why I think this would be interesting. Yeah. 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 But like and this is even worse though cuz they're giant robots that really like they're not people who got powers. They're just like giant robots that do not give a shit about us. We are Ants. like inferior we were yeah, we were totally inferior life forms to them. They're like these 90 feet tall robot things and like they look yeah. at us and they're like you guys are mostly water and you live for 15 minutes while we live for millions of years and who gives a shit what you guys do so we're just taking yeah. yeah just to drive that point home you have uh spike get like killed in the second episode yeah he i there's no i don't have like uh recurring except for the joes or whatever that becomes like the, the or maybe boss. like the military yeah the military yeah. characters yeah. yeah but like yeah i would have totally have like that spike and uh his dad fuck get yeah. just yeah episode like it's like issue three or four or whatever just wrecked. but they get fucking just like mashed well i have them in like what i had did to them was that they were riding with prime while as megatron shoots him or like sorry starscream shoots him with megatron like he's still in gun mode and he shoots him and it mm. just like kills them both because it damn near kills prime from how badly he gets yeah. shot 
So they're both dead. The just like, because I don't want humans. I don't want, I don't need a Shia LaBeouf <laughs> fucking up my franchise. Because, <laughs> no. No no people. Actual, actual cannibal? Yeah. Actual cannibal. <laughs> so that's 20 minutes of my stumbly Transformers pitch. So there you go. This not stumbly. It was very well thought out. Yeah, well, especially considering how much I'm sure you cut it down, considering how much content you actually have. If I wrote, if I took the whole like arc that I have written and like put it in the same format, it would probably take about 26 pages, like 20, 20 yeah. 30 pages to get it wow. down, like every plot point in there. Because I've got like there's character stuff in there, like Bumblebee and Jazz getting totally obsessed with Earth culture and all that kind of like all that kind of stuff happens. It's just like my big thing is just like the big overarching plot of the Decepticons versus the Autobots and this horrific intergalactic well interstellar war that's happening on earth and we are not prepared for it Mm -hmm. whatsoever kind of thing no that sounds really good like um so you actually pitched this to the professional like uh, to the people who are in charge of transformers well the people who have the comic book license yeah like idw or something it was it was just as idw was picking up the franchise from dreamwave when they dreamwave they they pretty much had like Come to con and talk to us about whatever you think Transformers should be, and like I. Oh, okay. I was going to say, was it a, a a full pitch meeting? No, well, I mean, it was at a, it was at con. It was just like they called. They had people they were looking at for creative work and stuff like that. They were looking at me as an artist for Transformers because I love mm-hmm. drawing this shit. And they were like, "Do you have a story idea?" And I was like, "Yeah, let me write it out." And when I meet you guys to look at my art, I'll we'll talk about it. And they liked it, but they were just like, "There's certain aspects of G1 that are kind of off limits." At, like because of Hasbro themselves, so they were like, eh. oh. And then they got a guy who, like, the guy who ended up picking up the penciling gig was just like scores better than I am. So like, he's fucked. He was really, and he's still working on the book. Actually, he's really good. So well, at least in those situations, you don't feel like you know you missed out. Then no. it was unfair. You're like, oh well, this guy's life is Transformers. Yeah, that guy was that guy. He's I wish I could remember his name. I met him a couple times. A really nice guy. But yeah, I would lo- I would love mm-hmm. to like get into a room somewhere where I could be like, can I please have a cartoon and just like five years on Netflix and let me do this horrific <laughs> fucking transformer story. That is <laughs> not for anybody under 18 because like humans are dying just like left, right and center. And like, yeah, mm-hmm. some of it, some of the imagery that I would probably want to use would be um, probably pretty disturbing for some people kind of thing. So does your series have a name? Uh, no. I didn't, I didn't name it. Just, it was just Transformers. That was pretty much what I wanted to call yeah. it. It was just like launch it as Transformers. Cause that's what it is to me. It's like, I, I don't think like all the demarcations that Transformers have like Beast Wars and Armada and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, no, the original was just Transformers, not generation one Transformers. Mm-hmm. And that's what I wanted this book to be. was just like retelling that story in a way that was not like throwaway kitty bullshit for Saturday morning cartoons. So yeah. Mm. Nice. But yeah, no, I think that's really cool. Yeah, do you have anything else to add, Tim? No, I said I think I said my piece sort of throughout. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like I would uh, something I would definitely be on board with. Nice, cool. All right, well then, Tim, uh, let's let's move on to you. What's what's your pitch? All right. So, as listeners of podcast uh, will know, I've been inhabiting Hyrule a lot lately. So I have come up with a full length like console Zelda game that takes things to sort of somewhat meta and somewhat different level than what we've had on previous games came up with a name for it it's called uh, legend of zelda divine legacy and it's a zelda game that celebrates and revisits some of the best eras worlds and characters of this like 30 plus year franchise 
Have both of you guys played? I know Mark. You said you played Skyward Sword. Did you actually finish it? Never finished it, but I I'm aware of the okay. backstory that is in there because I I have all those encyclopedias and shit like you guys do too. So I okay. finished it and I really liked it. Did you like it? Okay, I so I liked it. <laughs> so Skyward Sword for any of our listeners that don't know, like sort of the proposed timeline for uh, the Zelda games is basically the first, very first game in the series. It happens well before any of the other games. It sort of is the story of the establishing of Hyrule originally. So this game, the backstory of this game takes place shortly after Skyward Sword. So Demise, who, uh, or Demise's spirit, uh, Demise being the, like, Ganon predecessor character, Mm -hmm. who's the big bad in Skyward Sword, is attempting to escape from the uh the sealed temple basically like the temple of time through that like gate of time that like big gear like like illuminated gear sort of thing in skyward sword Mm -hmm. but now like hyrule is established this is like you know maybe a few years after skyward sword so and they're obviously like keeping a close eye on it because they know that that's where demise is and so link and zelda and basically like the knight's of Hyrule or like the the Hylian Royal Guard who were originally the Knights of Skyloft and Skyward Sword are basically like trying to keep him at bay and they decide that the best way to do so is by remember the time shift stones in Skyward Sword that like could bring the bring like when you'd hit them they would like bring the world around you back to like ancient times with the Oh like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yeah so they figure because like it's the gate of time that they're going to like try and attack it with weapons that are also like enchanted with time or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so they're throwing time shift stones and the time shift orbs at the gate trying to destroy it permanently and lock Demise in there permanently. Demise sends a blast of dark energy through the gate of time just as Link launches the time stone at it. The stone shatters, the fragments of it become embedded in the gate of time and this causes massive ruptures in time and space through all of Hyrule. Ooh. So, can I one question? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Is this this is it the same Link in Zelda as was in Skyward Sword? Yeah, yeah. So this is basically the the same same those same Zelda characters. Yeah, the same incarnation of Zelda and incarnation okay. of Link. It's just a few years afterwards. Okay. In this explosion in this basically in this explosion or whatever you want to call it, the temple of time is completely frozen in time, including demise and link. So they are off the table. Zelda is protected from this effect by the, like this time freezing effect by virtue of her divine blood. Cause she's Yay. the incarnation of the goddess Hylia. Uh, so she ends up getting out of the temple, but the strain takes its toll on her. She faints. And then she's taken back to the castle by like other of the, citizens yeah garden stuff Mm -hmm. like that she wakes up a few days later and then she learns that like basically the kingdom has been sundered there's these rifts dotting the kingdom that are opening to other worlds and stuff like that and that's kind of all of all that the uh, citizens know because they can't really get close to them uh the ruptures because they're like just spewing like time energy through them or whatever there have been enemies and villains and stuff like that monsters coming through these uh, ruptures that are now wreaking havoc and they're enemies and monsters that have never before been seen in Hyrule and they're you know menacing the denizens and everything 
none yeah none of the citizens or the knights of hyrule can have been able to get close to the breaches or like figure out how to close them or anything like that but zelda somehow just instinctively knows that she'll be able to cross through them i guess maybe because like she was able to cross through that gate of time triforce. earlier and the... everything everything in zelda you can answer with triforce right <laughs> cuz yeah cuz she has the triforce or yeah. whatever uh, the triforce of knowledge, knowledge yeah. and yeah and so she knows that she's able to pass through these and so she arms herself including the harp that she has in in skyward oh, yeah. sword and she starts exploring the rifts and going through them to see if she can determine like how to stabilize them how to heal them that kind of thing how basically how to save the kingdom the first rift that she goes through leads to the wind waker era okay nice. uh, as as she goes through that rift she finds that she's actually now inhabiting the body of her incarnation in that world. Oh, cool. So she is so now you're playing as Tetra, the pirate captain from Wind Waker. Yeah, that's awesome. She encounters the link of that era as well. Again, this whole world is like animated in that like cel-shaded Wind Waker style, so we're getting to revisit, you know, mm-hmm. some of the most iconic and like favorite parts of that game. While she's exploring that Wind Waker world, she learns of a young Rito girl medley the girl that has the harp in the wind waker game yeah and uh she starts hearing stories about how medley has had some success in stabilizing the rift with her harp and uh, but she's been captured so zelda basically completes a dungeon and a boss fight in the wind waker world and ends up freeing medley learns that medley's harp looks really similar to her own because it's basically is like a remade version of her harp just oh wow this is thousands or ten thousands of years or whatever in the future when the they place the two harps close to each other there's like a spiritual energy that leaps into zelda's harp from medley's harp it's basically uh, a hidden aspect of uh the god like hylia's spirit like divine spirit and it strengthens zelda's harp so it's where you get like this sort of element that you get in a lot of the zelda games where like she has to build up her strength in order to be able to take on the big bad you also kind of like thing. have to build up the master sword too a lot of the times right like there's always like yeah yeah exactly you have to repower it or whatever yeah or reforge it kind of thing yeah 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 so knowing this and learning this zelda leaves the wind waker world um from the other side back in her version of hyrule she plays the melody a melody that she learned from medley and because her harp is sort of the original and it's also got this extra power now it's able to uh, heal the rupture completely and then so as the game continues zelda is going through more of these ruptures and inhabiting the her respective incarnations in each of those worlds that she goes into she interacts with multiple links versions of links from those games as well she teams up with them in some cases she like learns skills from them or collects some of the more iconic items from those games like i'm thinking of stuff like the hook shots from the from ocarina of time yeah. or like the the minish cap that kind of thing that makes her be able to shrink and uh you know all those sort of help her further along her quest and help her to access new areas and that kind of thing um and in each world she finds another locates another incarnation of her harp that provides another sort of, of those spirit aspects that strengthens her heart further I was also thinking maybe she can like as she goes along summon the different links that she's interacted with to help her on different puzzles. So you could have like link from like spirit tracks or something like that coming and helping her in the Twilight Princess world because he's got a skill that that nobody else does doesn't yeah. exist in that world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. 
so as her adventure continues, as they kind of often do in the Zelda series, she learns a little bit more about like who's actually been manipulating the ruptures. There's there's a, a a figure that's actually been manipulating the ruptures. And uh, where am I? Oh, I lost myself. She begins to learn more about an insidious figure with a heart shaped face that's been uh, trying to manipulate and control the ruptures and sending the enemies through them into her version of Hyrule. And this is the big bat of the game, and it ends up being Majora. Oh, cool. Nice. That's cool. Because it's a character that we never really know much about besides that it just shows up and it's uh, that it's from another dimension. Yeah. yeah so Majora, the, the first rupture that was created by the shattered time stone was to Majora's dimension. And with Demise Frozen, Majora sensed that there was a power imbalance in this world. And so on the other side of the rift, uh, Majora came through, decided to restore the balance by manipulating the other rifts, sending various enemies through them and creatures through them. And he's basically trying to supplant Demise as like the evil force in Hyrule now. Oh, nice. Oh, that's cool. So as we go along, I said Zelda gets her harp all powered up. And then we have a boss fight where Majora, who's... He's drunk on power at this point. He's been siphoning power from the ruptures and he's trying to use it to destroy the Temple of Time so that he can... I, I say he. I, I'm picturing Majora just as like an it, just as something sort of otherworldly yeah, yeah. and not because it's sort of from another di- dimension, like no real gender. So like, like a Cthulhu, like a uh, like an Eldritch Abomination. Something like that, yeah. I mean, um, like, like a lot of the big bads in Zelda, it could probably take on different forms kind of thing. But yeah, ultimately, it's just this sort of nebulous evil kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, so Majora is trying to eliminate Demise completely and destroy the temple completely. And it will also end up destroying Link because he, just because he's in there as well. And Majora wants to claim Demise's power for himself and, like I said, supplant Demise as the source of evil and death in this dimension. Zelda ends up using the harp to open a rupture back into Majora's home dimension, which is somewhere we've never seen before. And it's just just fucking like it's as batshit insane Mm -hmm. as Majora is kind of thing. So we get this crazy chaotic world where the final battle gets to take place and like probably the final dungeon or whatever. And by Bringing Majora back there, uh, Majora is cut off from the power it's amassed, so it brings it back down to the level where Zelda has a chance of defeating it. So that's where the final like big multi-stage battle takes place. And during it, Zelda summons all the inc- incarnations of Link that she's encountered to sort of lend their power to her and of their various master swords. And they're not always master swords, but the various like swords of power to help her feat- defeat Majora. In the end, Majora's corporeal form is dispersed and its spirit flees into a mask that um, Majora had forced the denizens of its realm to create to honor its victory. And that ends up being Majora's mask. And he ends up inhabiting that mask. He ends up inhabiting that mask for millennia and it drives him even more insane. And that's the state that we find Majora at 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 the beginning of Majora's mask. Nice. Yeah. That's that's really good, actually. I like that. And then, yeah, so after that, Zelda uses the power that she's amassed to unfreeze the Temple of Time and heal the Gate of Time. Demise ends up having to retreat back into the Sealed Realm because uh, Majora had siphoned off so much of his power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just weak at that point. So she saves Link at this time, you know, and brings him back to the castle, nurses him back to health. They they get married. They have royal babies. That's just my personal preference because I'm sick of, like, these Zelda games where it's always will they won't they kind of thing at the end. I want them to 
finally like hook up permanently. They have all these royal babies that from which all the other incarnations of Zelda will eventually descend. But and then at the end of all this, once all the ruptures and everything are closed, Zelda's the only one that has any memory of it. She's recalls all of her experiences and all those future eras and all the other incarnations of herself. So she goes forward knowing all these things that are going to happen to her lineage down the line as in this mm-hmm. yeah, sort of knowing way. So nice. Yeah. So I, I think like the whole sort of glue that holds the game together is that you're going to get to encounter some of the best like fan favorite bosses, fan favorite NPCs from all these other worlds. Um, because it's Zelda interacting with them and fighting with them, the interactions are very different than what we've seen before. She needs to use like different strategies than Link does to beat these enemies that are common, but yeah, but we're seeing them f- sort of from a different angle. And because it's a console game, we'd get to visit some of the lands from the handheld and like the NES, SNES games that were like all top scrolling, but now we're going to get to see them as like fully rendered environments and characters and villains and stuff like that. Nice. No, that's a good poll because, like, I almost kind of want to do everything in the retro style, but at the same time, it would be like, God, that would be a pain in the ass. First of all, to develop, and second of all, just to like, yeah, walk players through. Yeah, like, it's just a lot of like way to change. Yeah, stuff. exactly. You have to retrain the character every time they go to a new world, kind of thing, or retrain the yeah, player. Sure. But and, and plus, like, I mean, I guess if you did like updated graphics for like for a console, like for a big like 4K TV kind of thing, then it could work. But uh, this is it. This is the switch we're talking about, right? So yes, not fair. 4K. <laughs> fair enough. But yeah, and the main worlds that I would want to go to, I like said, would start with Wind Waker. The other worlds would be like the original NES Legend of Zelda, because you got to go back to the original world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd want to go back to Twilight Princess, Ocarina of Time, just because it's so fucking iconic. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to do Ocarina. Like, how could you get away with not doing that? Yeah, like, people would riot if you did this kind of game, and we're like. No, the most influential Zelda game of all time. <laughs> didn't touch it. Why? Yeah. Minish Cap, just because that's one of my favorite of the handheld games, and I like a lot of the d- dynamics, and it introduces a lot mm-hmm. of unique items to the Zelda mythos. A Link to the Past, again, just because it's uh, such a fan favorite game. And then, Mark, you're going to say something? No, it's just it's still my favorite. Yeah. So. Uh, and then the other one would be is one that I haven't played yet, but uh, just because it's kind of got a unique style to it would spirit tracks. I thought would be another fun one to include. But then the other ones, the ones that aren't like a whole main world could always be like a smaller rift that she goes through and like just gets a certain item from there kind of thing. Like a, or it could be like a bonus area or like a mini an area that just has a mini boss in it or like a secret level or something like that so that you can yeah. sort of incorporate more of those those games that you know the like the oracle of ages oracle of seasons the less popular games that kind of thing yeah sounds good i would play that game yeah i would play that game too i also love that it's zelda in charge yeah Yeah. that's the thing is like i i want i wanted to just give it the sort of i I didn't want to have just link going through and uh, you know rebeating all of these guys that granted this incarnation of link will not have bought or have not fought but uh yeah, I figured it would be a lot more interesting to finally have a Legend of fucking Zelda game where the title character is the one that you're actually playing. The character is Zelda. <laughs> oh my god. I know. It's so yeah, frustrating. I, You'd I have to call it the Legend that. of Link. You'd have to call it the Legend of Hyrule yeah. and then just get away from like actually using that character yeah. names too. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, so I figured Divine Legacy Legacy brings in like her learning about basically the legacy of her lineage 
and then divine because like her you know it's basically her like really oh, yeah. leaning more into her divine powers and stuff like that so i think it's a great idea and i, I love the concept of it. it's really original and like really uh really creative way of bringing back the mm-hmm, timeline yeah. that everyone's really obsessed with and like how to fit all that together because i think that that really like there's a lot of people who desperately really want that to mm-hmm, be yeah. a sequence of events for real and you can see that it frustrates people when they don't get to like have that be a reality they're like but it's i know it's lore and i know they've connected it but when do i ever get to see them in like intertwined yeah. i mean there are some games where like they'll re- refer back to like the hero of time or something like that which is obviously like ocarina of time but you don't i mean it's basically just told as legend and you have no idea like how far back it was so i think in this case at least it might be cool to finally have something that especially now that in the past maybe five years or something like that like basically when skyward sword came out was when they really and they published hyrule historia is when they really started to embrace like okay this is the timeline you know it does branch off into three different versions basically depending on what outcome of ocarina of time you follow but they are still there is still sort of an order and a hierarchy to everything to all the different games and eras so yeah for sure i do have to thank alicia for for helping me out with some of the story points and stuff like that i definitely ran some of them by (laughs) her last night up until like last night all i had was like a legend of zelda game where you're playing zelda and she goes into a bunch of different worlds then i had to like come up with a bunch of shit for the reason why she's doing that and everything that's all writing is man it's just like coming up for fucking like coming up with the reasons why people do fucking weird shit yeah. like yeah that's uh that's it in a nutshell yeah. but uh i uh first of all just want to point out that non-video game guy tim is just video game yeah. so i'm a little thrown off right now <laughs> also this is totally a game that i would play the shit out of so i hope mr nintendo's listening yeah well, get, get me a moto on the line yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i think it'd be a really cool idea and i think that it would soothe a lot of fans it would make them it'd be a big yeah, fan service yeah. and that's the sort of thing i think it's something you do maybe on like an anniversary year or something like that like i think it's got its 35th anniversary is coming up in like 20 2021 or something like that so that might be a good time to release a, a game that sort of God, is 35 years for since legend of zelda already yeah it was 1986 was the original wow. God, we're old, Tim. Yeah. So, so the uh, 30th anniversary was, I think, when they released Skyward Sword, I want to say. Yeah. 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 I remember there was a big hullabaloo yeah. about it around then. That's right. Yeah. That's so. cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, no, I like I like that. I don't really have any, I have any notes. My only thing is I'm, I'm and this is like the, my inner Paul talking, um, having Zelda links come to her aid, I think would be better to have all the Zeldas come to her aid, as, or maybe teams of them, as opposed yeah. to just the man come to her rescue just because i'm surprised christy didn't jump down your throat on that one <laughs> well i'm just i I was just thinking of like flipping the script because a lot of the time in those final yeah. boss battles zelda is the one that's sort of aiding link so i thought it might that's be true. nice to to have to juxtapose that and have you know not not necessarily the links be like crew like you know the ones that actually take her down kind of thing but just yeah. you know give her that extra boost or whatever or yeah mm-hmm. to let her beat Majora. What's there a movie? There's a oh, I'm thinking of Harry Potter when they're all like the spirits are around Harry at the mm-hmm. end, and they're like, "Well, with you to the end with the stone, yeah, yeah. the resurrection." Stone. Did you did you have to pretend to not know it was Harry Potter for a second there? <laughs> no, you know what? I'm picturing. There's another thing I'm picturing where it's like a circle of ghosts 
And it's not Harry Potter. It's something else. Mm. Well, there's... And they all, like, support there's each other. Le- well, there's there's the nope. uh, Ocarina of Time with the sages, where they kind of all support Link towards yeah. the they do. They use that image in Zelda a lot. Yeah, there's there's it, also that, yeah. like, ca- Council of Sages in Twilight Princess, too. It comes up in Breath of the Wild eventually, too. Yeah. So, yeah. Spoilers. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I think that's a great idea. And what did you think I was going to jump down his throat about, Mark? Uh, the, him having Link come to the rescue, or, like, helping him. No, I don't think... That's a problem. I think that Zelda has helped Link, like Tim said, so many yeah. times. And I think that it's more about the love they share together versus it being a man who's helping her. She delivers the final blow. Yeah. Although, it also, like, it, I, I understand it from, like, a, if you're going to have them, like, characters summoned to help, it makes sense to have it be the main character of the game that you are summoning from as opposed to the Zelda yeah. from those games. Yeah. Yes, by the time you get to the end of those games, you have the, are the one, well, me and anyway because i played all of them most of them i'm the one who built that link up to the point where he was yeah so badass that he could come across like time and help this other zelda kind of thing so uh, yeah i was just like my my immediate like oh <laughs> he needs a man to help her <laughs> some feminist is gonna get upset about this i want to say it before somebody else does so yeah at least the whole game doesn't hinge on that or anything well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, why, that's why I like my pitch because, like, they're just robots. I don't have to worry about men. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> well, except that there's only one, like, quote unquote, female transformer. I add all the female transformers from like the other continuities mm-hmm. kind of in to kind of pepper the cast a little bit. But like, yeah, our C and Alita one are definitely part of my cast beginning. Wait, so so does your does your Game of Thrones uh, transformer series have a bunch of robot transformer sex too? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't get into robo sex because I don't really. I I I still haven't wrapped my head around how uh, that works. If it's just Some, like a USB getting interface, jammed up like a tailpipe. Well, it's like a U. I, I just assumed it's like USB, right? Like they just plug into each other, and <laughs> that's how they. Yeah, they just interface that way and do <laughs> naughty things digitally. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I didn't thought about it. I just wanted robots beating each other up. So don't lie. You've thought about it. <laughs> I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about it. <laughs> Well, you guys are that. you guys are both way further down the pipe than I am apparently. <laughs> so I just want robots to beat each other up. Down down the pipe, I'm pretty sure is how it works. Actually, not up up the pipe is probably what you're I trying get, to. Depends on the position, I think. Yeah, I guess there's that. <laughs> All right, Christy, let's uh, let's hear your story. All right, well, mine is definitely not as thought out as you guys, but it's something that I've kind of had on my mind for a number of years, and it was part of the reason why I wanted to actually go into developing video games for a while because I thought this would be such a cool such a cool idea to go through developing but I wanted to make Shakespeare uh, Shakespeare stories into games but mostly I want to focus on the tragedies and make them into horror video games Ooh, I like that okay. yeah so like Hamlet and it would all be Alice style of like I'm saying like a lot tonight don't say of what? Don't say Telltale. Please don't say Telltale. No, 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 no. It, it would not work as Telltale. It wouldn't work as Telltale. Everybody knows the story too well. Like, it wouldn't be entertaining at all. I want it to be like Bioshock. Oh, okay. I'm in. First person, like, wandering through the... Like, imagine Macbeth in a Bioshocky atmosphere where it's like you're one... Just like first person shooter. Like, not first person shooter, but like first person. And you'd have to wear surround sound headphones for the game because sounds like a vr game or like a mist game well i don't i don't think i'd want it to be vr like it's kind of that i i see that in my head but like a lot more story driven yeah but you could do like resident evil 7 yeah yeah yes that's actually probably a really good way to 
describe what I'm thinking of as Resident Evil 7. Yeah, good call. And think about it. In Macbeth, you'd be wandering the moors and like the witches would be whispering to you from like various areas around your head. And like they would just come out of nowhere. Or you just yeah. turn around and they're right there and you jump out of your fucking chair. Yeah, because the witches would have to be like these hard crones and just like constantly, you know, constantly whispering. And then throughout the game, what I picture with Macbeth anyway, is because it's about losing your mind, you'd have like, it's not insomnia. What was the one where you had the insanity meter? Eternal darkness. No. Yeah, eternal darkness. Eternal darkness. Thanks, Mark. My Mark and your Mark. (laughs) And this Mark. But you'd have the insanity meter rising. So like in major situations, like when... When you come back after killing Macduff and Lady Macbeth is just like, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Your insanity meter would rise a little bit and you'd start to hear like the whispers. Mm. And like as the game progresses, if you make mistakes, the whispers get louder and louder. And like it wouldn't be all the time, but it would be like very ethereal and you'd see like flashes of the witches and like things like that. And at one point, you, you know, from a different room, you'd hear like Lady Macbeth going about her out damn spot and like you could peer in and watch her like falling to pieces and there'd be nothing you could do as a player. Like you could try to do all these things, but because of the way the story goes, I'd want it to feel like you were trapped. Yeah. So you'd have some sense, some semblance of being able, like any story game, some semblance of having your own arc, but with the story, It's just like there's no way you're ever going to win. You can feel like you might be able to win, but there's just no winning because of how the story works. Um, Bless you. But I think by adding like slight or small developments that make it a gaming atmosphere, there's so much to play with there. There's violence, there's gore, there's gothic, like music and architecture to explore and like like, castles. In Macbeth having like the the forest come to the field kind of thing. That would be a lot of fun to do. Yeah. Like battle scene kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it would be the same with the others, like with, with Hamlet, Hamlet wouldn't be as horrifying, but you could make it that because it would be, I think it'd be cool if Hamlet had like these like blackout moments where he just like came, you just came to and realized you'd like killed like another person or like you'd pushed Ophelia out the window or like things like that, even though that's not actually what happened, like to add to the, the game arc, but there, and just for hmm? Hamlet that the, you'd have to play with the, or treat the insanity meter or whatever, very tricky because there's that whole like argument of as to whether Hamlet is actually insane or not, or whether he knows what he's doing the whole time or at what point he becomes insane instead of just, acting insane and that kind of thing well that's why i think like i i think what might be interesting is they don't all have to be the same format but i think with something like hamlet you know it's just the the wandering like you'd be constantly hearing your own voice in your head like talking to yourself trying to make sense of everything Mm -hmm. so we're in macbeth you have the witches who are the voice and the narrator in hamlet you'd just be like hearing ophelia like back over here and like you'd read her letters and like you'd like at the beginning of the game, you'd be writing her like beautiful love letters and then like, you know, struggling and you'd have to pick words and like, depending on the words you picked, it like would destroy Ophelia. And like, you have to make all of these like dark choices, but I could see it being, being like amnesia where like you sort of just, your world starts to crumble a little bit around you and you start to 
like see visions and panic more often because of the choices that are happening yeah and being made in spite of you hmm. but i just think there's a lot of opportunity for like really cool violence as well like sword fights and you know just the the devastation if you had a really good actors it didn't i wouldn't even need it all like in shakespearean text i wouldn't mind if it was you just take you're like, taking the plot and like applying it to something yeah modern, like uh like a well fuck like everything, really, I guess. Most plots are just... Well, I don't want it to be modern, though. I just mean I wouldn't mind if... I would like it in the style of, like, old England or old Scotland or old Wales, but it doesn't need to be the Shakespeare iambic pentameter. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Question. What's yeah. what's the gameplay, though? Like, what's the gameplay loop? Because it sounds like a walking simulator right now, ostensibly. Yeah. Which is fine. Well, that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm struggling, because, like, with something like... It sounds dumb, but like with something like Uncharted, the plot is kind of laid out for you. So with Macbeth, there's a lot of opportunity for you're constantly at war. There's lots of wars that break out. So you'd be like, you know, going out and killing fellow Scots or like you'd be wandering through the woods. And I don't know you could add things like as long as it's just got the Shakespeare arc, you could add things like child sacrifices to the witches and like having to go into the into the castle to find like chambermaids babies and like sacrifice them or jesus you know that's even darker than anything i wanted to do (laughs) like and you were giving us shit for how grim we get sometimes you're talking about sacrificing babies (laughs) well i mean the witches asked for some pretty like oh absolutely i'm just i just want to point out the hypocrisy in you uh patriot yeah, it's, I say it with beautiful little blue eyes, though. That's so. true. That's true. You're not you're not a monster like I am. That's fair. <laughs> monster on the inside. I think there could also be some cool stuff in terms of like internal structure, kind of thing, like characters in their own heads, like maybe during some of the iconic monologues, kind of thing, where they're having to mm. like struggle with different aspects of their personality. Like, what was that game that more basically your was it is it Binding of Isaac? Is that the one or is that a yeah? There, where you're basically like inside a character's head, like battling yep. facets of mental illness that are ma- manifested as various enemies kind of thing. Well, yeah, I would, I mean, I would love, that's why I kind of like the idea of the internal monologue. Mm-hmm. And and like, and I'd love it. If it, mm-hmm. if it starts to go too far and like you let it go too far without addressing it, you end up having to like get sucked into a battle with your internal demons or something like that. Oh, can you imagine if you had to face your internal demon? No, thank you. And like, <laughs> it was just like, it was just there in front of you. And it was just like a version of you just warped. Yeah. No, thank you. And then you wake up like from this fight and you've actually stabbed. Anybody? Ophelia like, or, or, well. Ophelia. Or, what does he kill? I can't remember the play anymore. It's been too long. Uh, he kills, what, the Duke I am of, hating on Ophelia. Duke of, uh, fuck, I can't remember anymore. Oh, I'm trying to remember. He kills Duncan. He kills Duncan and Ophelia's father, doesn't he? Or no, that oh, uh, Mac- Hamlet. Hamlet. That's Hamlet. Yeah. Macbeth kills Duncan and Banquo. Right. And Macduff. Macduff's family. Okay. So like Macbeth is the darkest one for sure. Like on the surface, on the surface of darkness. Mm-hmm. King Lear usually the one that everybody. King Lear. Up? King Lear is a lot darker on a family note okay. like a lot of the siblings want to kill each like the two siblings uh, daughters want to kill each other and you know uh lear himself 
falls deeply into madness and like the fool is constantly trying to bring him back. And it's not until, you know, the end when both Lear and his daughter, his favorite daughter are killed for his, his own selfishness and pride. Mm-hmm. I feel like I need to reread but, these or at least rewatch these plays. It's been <laughs> like, I think I was in university the last time I looked at any of the big Shakespeare plays. Uh, it's been yeah, a long it's been time. Well, but that's part of the thing is that part of the reason I like this idea is not just because it's a video game, but because it could teach Shakespeare out of, in a new way. Yeah. yeah, You know, it could teach the story, which is why like it would be, it'd be really cool if you could play, if you had the option to pick between playing the game in a more modern not modern English, but, you know, like the, an older English, but understandable verbiage. Or you could play it in the iambic so pentameter. Like, so you just want, like, Thor. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. No, pretty yeah, much. Fair enough. Accessible English. Yeah. Like. Well, really, at this point, if you're selling it to anybody, I mean, if you're selling it to the Americans, you're trying to get into the American market. Well, the, the, the best you're probably going to get to do is, like, British accents. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but. In in my mind, like they just lend themselves so easily to being these really, like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dark. These really like dark, unsettling games because you're like, even though you have this like idea, like this feeling of choice. In the end, you have no choice. There is only one outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's that you will die. And you will go insane. It's just a matter of like how long you can you can like how long you can stave, stave. It off. yeah stave it off yeah. for. And I think that like that would be interesting if if there was one good ending in each game, but you had to make every decision had to be perfect, and it would just be the most boring game in the whole wide world because you'd just be like, you know, <laughs> it's like it's like an Easter egg. Is that like this is the happy yeah. the secret happy ending to Macbeth? Like they do with Far Cry, like Far Cry 5 and Far Cry 4, they had those secret endings where if you just waited yeah. five to ten minutes, yeah. Yeah. then they took you to a new location and everything was solved with your patience. The, best, so it's the like, Far Cry 4 one's awesome because you just stand around with like huge gunfights happening around you. And then finally the guy's like, well, I guess I can show you your mom's graveyard. And then he, he takes you over and shows it to you and everything's great. And he's like, all right, are we done with this bullshit now? Can we go shoot some fucking guns? And it like back <laughs> yeah. the title screen, and it says like new game kind of thing. And it's like start. It's forcing you. It forces you to start over. It was really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. But if it was like Macbeth, you know, then Lady Macbeth's like, let's kill these guys, and you're just like, shut up, no, yeah. no. What? Where are you even getting off? Or like the witches come up to you, and they're like, do you want eternal happiness, or whatever it is? And like the, he's just like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> Go back into the forest, witches. Thank you. Like, but in my mind, it's just, uh, I, I can't, I, I think I would need a group of people to help me figure out what steps, like to really dissect the play and take out what could be gameplay. Yeah. yeah. What, what are like the, the sort of signposts throughout the game kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. 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 Cause that's my, my problem with it right now is like, I can't see moving those, like moving the structure of those plays into a game. Um, yeah. So. That's my, my only because my only thing is like what's the gameplay like I like the idea of how you're talking about the story and stuff, but like yeah. all I feel I'm like I I played Firewatch I don't need to do another walking simulator like, <laughs> but I don't want this to be a walking simulator because like an Eternal Darkness or like have that kind of aspect to it. First mm-hmm. of all, that is a franchise that people loved and never got more than mm-hmm. one game. So if you could go if you could harken back to that, you'd probably make a lot of people really happy. 
the, that game was not like the most action-packed game. It was just super interesting and very exploratory more than anything else. Yeah. So, And of course, now I want to play it again because it's been like 15 years <laughs> and I sold my game disc of it. And now it's going on eBay for 500 fucking dollars. So, Oh, sorry. Yeah, you can find an emulator or something for it on a 15-year-old uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Dolphin would run it. I just had to find the ROM, but we'll see what happens. Sorry, Chris. But yeah, I I think no, that's okay. You didn't do anything. I think that that's why I'd need to. I I didn't have the time this week to like go back and dissect the plays, mm-hmm. but I think there's actually between the scenes that you have with everyone, there's definitely chunks that are one really really cool dialogue that you could have where you get to like choose what you're telling to, like what you're saying to a person and how much you choose to reveal and how much you choose to keep internal and like watching an insanity meter rise and i think that there's still really good opportunity to have one-on-one combat fights where you can be killed or go out and like in macbeth you can go out into and fight you know uh neighboring tribes that are trying to take over the castle mm-hmm. you know like it would be like ala mordor fights in um in the Lord of the Rings games, yeah, where you're just trying to defend your your castle, yeah. So you talked a lot about Macbeth and Hamlet. What other plays do you see yourself see lending themselves to your your idea? Othello, I yeah. think, could be. It's very personal. Real, yeah. Othello would be really hard though because you'd have to you'd have to have black writers predominantly. Yeah, like you'd have to have that. You'd have to be so careful like kid gloves about how you handled that because i think in the end it would actually make it would be less of a horror game and more of a thriller because you'd have to watch like how racism destroys a person so it'd be a really interesting allegory to play like through a game but you'd have to be so careful with it because you'd start the game like on a ship because othello comes you know in from battle on this big ship and you know comes in and everyone's like oh it's the moor and i could imagine it like you walking through districts and like having to have fist fights with people who were trying to like talk shit about you because you were black you know what i mean like and i i just think with othello when you know there's the the climax of of killing your the love of your life because you can't trust her because of all of this mind games. Like that's Shakespeare's thing is mind games is that all these people have convinced you that she's cheating on you with your best friend. And this Iago guy is constantly like fucking up, but you don't see that. And it might be interesting if, you know, maybe you don't even play as Othello. Maybe you play as his best friend. Maybe you play as Iago and just like let yourself play as the villain. Ooh, maybe you play as Iago. That would be cool, but it'd also be really fucked up because you'd be, you know, torturing a, a really strong like black character. Oh, that's fair. Again, yeah. kid gloves. I don't know. I think- Which is why I think it's safer to play as Othello, but you also have to be the person who makes the decisions in the end as Othello. Yeah, I think Julius Caesar might be another interesting one from the point of view of Caesar. Like all fucking. Paranoid. Oh, he's killed so quick though. He's. Yeah. He dies like in the like. The second act true well i mean maybe it doesn't even have to be like you follow the same character the whole way through the game kind of thing like you could yeah you jump jump between characters yeah pull a metal gear man like have him have him be the main character and that's your i mean everybody yeah. who knows the play is going to know what the like the the jump is right but like you get to 
experience his assassination from his perspective would be very interesting. That's true. Yeah. And then like you you've grown to like care about this character and then all of a sudden you're dead and you wake up the next day yeah. as oh as Brutus or something like that yeah. or Brutus would be cool or even Mark yeah. Antony. Yeah. Yeah, somebody with like actual agency in the the rest of the story, I guess. So yeah. 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 So maybe that's a solution too for the other games is that like you you shift you're constantly shifting focus so you don't know who to trust that makes like sense in terms of gameplay too because it gives you some variety of like perspective and stuff so you're not just like stuck in one person's head the whole time like yeah yeah you'd have some conflict over like fighting against a character that you previously inhabited kind of thing Mm -hmm. like you're fighting for your life but like oh wait i just spent six hours playing as that character and yeah, I, see, I was going to inappropriately say I was just inside that person, but like, that, <laughs> Jesus, I thought about it again. <laughs> Antony and Cleopatra might be an interesting one as well, though I don't think it's as like juicy. I mean, it's it's really good, but I I I don't think it has the the like well knownness of the others. Yeah, yeah, but then you could play. With but it would offer a cool it would offer a cool environment being in Egypt. Yeah, yeah. that's what uh, the the Assassin's Creed games have been keep going there or going there. Oh no, the new one's great. Yeah. Never mind. But the last one was Egyptian. But uh, I also think that it would be interesting to have a Romeo and Juliet playthrough where you yeah, think it's gonna be this like beautiful love story. Yeah, there's plenty of plenty of gore and fights and stuff there. Yeah. Yeah. And you can choose to play as Romeo or as Juliet and experience the game two different ways. Yeah, I want to play as from, the other guy. From each side of the as which guy. Yeah, but you love you love villains. Yeah. I do. Like I do think it would be cool to play as Iago if you were doing. Is it Mercutio in that one? Mercutio, yeah. No, I'm talking about Othello, but yeah, it's Mercutio, and in... I mean, it would be interesting if you were the best friends of all these characters. But I also think maybe like the switch through is what makes it yeah. what could make it interesting. Yeah, I think that, that's weird because like there is a Transformers game that did that. Like I think it was Fall of Cybertron. Like lets you play like you play two. Well, actually, both games you play as multiple characters, but like you start on in the one you start as the Decepticons and like mm-hmm. play through until like their plan is like ready to go. And then you take over as the Autobots and try and stop that. Try and from. foil that plan. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really cool. <laughs> but yeah, you'll be like for half the game you control Megatron and then like the next half of the game you control prime and you're fighting that Megatron that you just played as. So it yeah. that. Mm. I don't know if I really had any hesitation about knocking the fucking shit out of Megatron <laughs> ever, but that's just me. Yeah, I feel like that's probably not a, a little less ambiguous. Yeah, morally yeah. speaking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Inter- interstellar Robo Hitler is a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. Interstellar Robo Hitler. I think that's my new band. Yeah. That's uh, Interstellar Robo Hitler. Actually, you know what? If we ever start a band, that should be the band name. There you go. <laughs> it's a pretty rad. It's a pretty rad band name. You heard it here first. Dance Robot Dance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but part of the reason I picked this one just was because I like this discussion that we're having now where we each throw in stuff because I loved what you guys had done. You'd thought it out so much, but I couldn't contribute because it was like such a well thought out plan. That's, so that's partially that's, why that's my OCDness. Yeah. Well, hmm? <laughs> that's my OCDness. That's why yeah. I, I just, I couldn't come up with something that was like half thought out. Cause I just kept being like, oh, I need to finish it. I need to figure out, I need to plug that hole and shit yeah. like that. Oh, that's, that's- what you said. That's the writing bug, Tim. That's that's how yeah. it happens, my friend. That's how that's how you get hooked on doing True. this stupid shit for, to yourself all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, but that's it. why. I, yeah, I like the idea of sharing it here, though, because I've been ha- I've had this thought for like eight 
eight, nine years. Yeah. Like ever since I went into multimedia at Mac, I was like, yeah, I could do this. But I've never really, I, I haven't gone back and really like chopped up the plays. But now that I'm thinking about it, there actually is some validity to it. It's not just like an interesting idea. Yeah. No, it yeah. sounds like a cool concept. Like, I would love to see like how you would gamify it a little bit more. That's just my that's my only takeaway. Is like, I don't understand how it gets like gamified. I guess, but mm-hmm. I'd be curious. Just like the concept of it sounds really cool, and I would love to be able to like sit there and watch yeah. people and gamify it, kind of thing. So, and I think it is the sort of thing that lends itself to maybe a few different styles of gameplay, like not the same style yeah. all the way through, kind of thing. Like, yeah, you, know, you yeah. get a little bit of like FPS or like you know first person. Sword battle play. you get a little yeah a little bit of binding of isaac kind of like internal struggle kind of stuff and you can even get a little shadow of mortar stuff like yeah and stuff too right like yeah. that's what i'm yeah with the battles i think it'd be cool too if every time you finished an act you had like the actual book in front of you flip pages and go to act two okay. wherein so and so like yeah. and maybe each act you play as a different character maybe so that's how you divide it is each act you play as the, the protagonist, protagonist of that, of that, yeah. of that particular situation. Cause like, there's going to be moments when, you know, Macbeth isn't the protagonist mm. and it's Lady Macbeth. And it'd be way cool if you could like see the insanity from like, Lady Macbeth's perspective. Cause we always watch her do this famous soliloquy or famous monologue. But imagine like the things that she's seeing and like if you're if you're in something like a VR, like you're seeing it from first person and it's just like all of these horrors are just like popping out at you and you're like hands are dripping with blood. Like there's so many cool things that you could do and so many cool things you could explore. Yeah, Yeah, there is. I think there's a lot of cool imagery that you can incorporate for sure. And stuff, stuff that has never really been like as graphically and sort of immersively portrayed as what you would get in a game versus just like watching it on screen or watching it on stage or something like that. yeah and it would make it like really accessible for a new generation mm-hmm. you know like they'd get into the story because they'd be part of it yeah uh, so yeah so with that we've uh hit a pretty good uh pretty good length on this episode <laughs> i think and unless you guys have anything else you want to add to what i just pitched or uh, last things you want to say about your own pitches what do you think no just no. somebody please give me a ton of money to make this netflix show please i've really liked, uh, <laughs> i kind of want to see it now too like i think i would enjoy watching it yeah, you it yeah, out. yeah. Like, yeah and i've been talking i was talking about it off and on with paul too because he's always my like we're the like we always back and forth pitch stories like this is the kind of thing that he and i do for fun which is weird but anyway no it is fun but yeah so yeah. We, we, we've been talking about this transformers arc almost as long as that batman one that i wrote i had written for the last one so it's just like he and i's little well that's more my idea this one because he's not a big transformers nerd like i am but i love doing this shit so i've kept this very close to my heart because now that i've put it's actually taken a lot of like energy for me to even talk about it with other people because i'm really afraid someone's going to hear it and steal my idea oh, yeah, I, I expect like there'll be a g1 relaunch cartoon like next year now that I've said this, out. well, at least at least this will be published with the date on it, and we can go back and say that's our idea, even though we don't own any rights to any of these, yeah, exactly. properties that we're talking exactly. about. Well, actually, Shakespeare's cool. probably public domain at this point, so Shakespeare's public domain, but <laughs> I don't know of anyone who's done a Shakespeare game. I'm looking it up right now. Shakespeare video game. I'm sure somebody's done like a shitty text adventure or something like that. Yeah, not really. Like, there's been, yeah, I mean, like there's no. Those, the structure of those stories exists everywhere. So, like, those stories 
have probably been translated into video games that you're just barely aware of because they change the names and like change some stuff or change the setting or whatever. But like, there's a reason why Shakespeare is Shakespeare is because everybody just fucking steals all of their shit from him and just kind of fiddles with it. So yeah, there's apparently a game called Elsinore where you play as Ophelia from Hamlet and she's stuck in a Groundhog Day time loop trying to fix it. Yeah, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that now. That sounds familiar, actually. And she can't, she can't do anything. She just makes it worse every time. Yeah. It came out a couple years ago. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why they called her Elsinore. Anyway. But yeah, so, okay. Well, if that's it, this has been our 100th episode. We did it, guys. We did the 100. We did. We did it. <laughs> we're like, we're like, we could be a syndicated show in the next couple of, <laughs> next couple of months. I don't think anybody's syndicating our two hour podcast. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, where we talk about copyrighted shit like for hours on end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Ugh, fucked. But anyway, um, thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear what you think of the pitches or if you have any ideas. Um, please like send us comments and messages. We love that stuff. And let us know if you have any ideas that you want to explore. And maybe we'll have you as a guest on the next time we do this kind of episode. And somebody can steal your idea instead of ours. Somebody can steal yeah. your idea. <laughs> But you can find us all over social media if you want to contact us. We're at Facebook at Dance Robot Dance Podcast. We're on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast. We are on the Google Play Store and on iTunes, the iTunes Store. We are on various apps like Podcast Addict and things like uh, Podcast Bay and other such sites. And you can contact us uh, with Gmail. We don't usually check our email very often because there's a lot of other ways to contact us. But if you want to send us an email, go for it. We'll see it. And that is just um, dancerobotdancepodcast at gmail.com. And don't think I forgot anything. Is that it? Sure. Mark? Let's say yes. We'll go with yes. (laughs) Okay. Well, again, thank you for staying with us. Whether you're a first-time listener or you've been here since the first episode, we're really, really appreciative that you keep tuning in. We're also very sorry. Thanks, guys, and we're very sorry. Especially for last week. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for a rad 100 episodes, and uh, here's to 100 more. Take care, guys. Say goodnight, boys. Goodnight. Thank you for listening. Bye, everybody. Go go write some of your own stories. And for once, I wasn't the shoddiest host. <laughs> Get on with the ceremony! Starscream? This is bad comedy. Megatron? Is that you? Here's a hint. attempt to fill his shoes.
Silvatron. <laughs>